Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello, everybody. It's Wednesday, May 15th, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am in the house with Steve Say. Yo. Mr. Bob Ryer. Hey. And joining us once again, Stephanie Cook. Hello. Stephanie, you're back again. This is three times in a row now? I'm losing track because so many consecutive times in a row. It's crazy. It's crazy. (laughs) It's very crazy. Madness. But once again, I think you did something pretty uh, fun this weekend. Why don't you tell the folks about uh, TCAF? I shall. Um, So this past weekend was the Toronto Comics Arts Festival in, well, Toronto. Um, It's held at, like, the reference library. (laughs) Ruh-roh. Anyway, it's held at the reference. Okay, Scooby. Yeah. No, Ruh-roh. It's held at the reference library here at, like, Young and Blur Street. For those of you who are familiar with Toronto, and it's such a cool show. It's more like it's built as a festival as opposed to a convention, but it still has that same sort of uh, setup where there's just a lot of exhibitors and uh, creators in booths everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, there's panels, but I think the main draw to the show is just, you know, the interactive, interactive. No, that's not the word I'm looking for. But you get a, a little, a lot of interaction with. The creators and a lot of people who don't go to other shows. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great for indie comics, um, and I had a blast. I bought way too much stuff. Good for you. Um, basically, you're a bad person if you leave TCAF with you know nothing. <laughs> That's my rule. But um, yeah, like who else? I got a caricature. If anyone's familiar with um, the cartoonist Marlo Meekins. I got like a caricature of myself done, <laughs> which both looks nothing like me, and yet I kind of love it. Mm-hmm. It would be worse, I think. I'd be like, "Do I really look like that?" <laughs> um, we may have I to got... put this up on site. I think. Pardon? <laughs> we have to put this up. I think. Yeah, I'll totally post a photo to it. Okay. Um, of it rather. I got like more sketches in my cat sketchbook, oh. which is great. Uh, like Ross Campbell did a sketch for me. Uh, Carl Kershaw, who does the abominable Charles Christopher, did one for me. Um, Kate Leth. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of other people who were cool and did stuff for me. But I don't know. I can't at the moment. It was such a great show. I got this amazing original. This guy just had, like, this pile of originals in – well, like, in a pile. Mm-hmm. His name was Sam Heady. And it's just, like, instead of people having prints that they can look at, this guy just had – we're like, are these original watercolors? And he's like, yeah. They just, how much are they? Well, pick one and I'll tell you. And I'd like pick things up on like this. And he's like, mm, I don't know, 25, 30, <laughs> 35, 30. 
30 sound good? <laughs> and I'm like, sold. He's like, yeah, and if you buy more, I'll just give you discounts on everything. I was like, what? Stop it. <laughs> so I regretted not buying one thing, and I had to email him this morning and be like, so do you still have that? Because I want it. <laughs> so I'm buying more things. Even after TCAF. Nice. But, yeah. It's a very cool show. Um, it's the show that basically all like the comic creators and other people come to for fun. They don't set up shop. They just kind of wander. Like Jamie McKelvey was there. Ooh, very cool. Um, my friend took a photo of him in a panel eating donuts. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like who else was there? Brian Lee O'Malley was there, right? Yeah. I went into this party and he is so tall. I didn't expect him to be hmm. so tall. And I was in this party and like there was this guy that was just like, Da, 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 da. He's like dancing it out. I mean, I realize you can only hear my like dancing. <laughs> we get it. We get it. Yeah. But I was like, what is going on over there? They're like, oh yeah, Brian Lee O'Malley is a dancing fiend, <laughs> and he's just like in the corner, you know, has this like dance mob around him, and they're all just like, it's music up in here, and that was that was cool. Yeah. He's married to Hope Larson though, who um had a table and. He's also from Toronto, so, you know, yes. hometown. Yeah. I thought when you were making that, I thought Brian Lee O'Malley was literally standing in the middle of the room going, that's what I had in my head. Well, he was, like, singing along, and okay. he was like, it's in the roof. Now, maybe not doing that noise or really that motion, but yeah. that's what I interpreted. Yeah. True story. <laughs> yeah, so that was fun. Was so you just fun. went for fun, too, right? You weren't working it, right? Uh, yeah, I didn't work it or anything. I just kind of hung out and somehow like managed to get into like some dinners and stuff and hang out with people. It was a lot of fun. Um, again, I didn't have anything to do like specifically this weekend, so I just spent both days at the show pretty well, wandering around and you know making the rounds. <laughs> very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, so that's awesome. Uh. Now, uh, before we we're gonna want the news, obviously. Does anybody anything else anybody did fun or anything this weekend they want they want to share? <laughs> after that, yeah, no, we we yeah. surrender. Yeah, after, after that little <laughs> uh, that compete. little ditty, you gotta you gotta do Stephanie last. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah, we should do. Oh, well, we didn't go to a con because they're afraid to have them in New York, except for the big ones. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Huh? Well, very really? expensive. Security is so much more expensive in New York State than that's many that's others, that's and that's they that. just don't bother. They used to have uh, the Holiday Inn would have stuff every now and again. I mean, it would just be dealers, mm-hmm. but at least it would be something where people could gather and buy things. And now Icon has gone missing, yeah. and stuff inside the city just doesn't happen. Like, <laughs> do we need to put out an ad on it, like on a milk cart? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they missing poofed. New York Con. They vanished. I mean, going way back, there were second Sundays, you know, once a month. And even the Big Apple shows from about 10 years ago, right across the Madison Square Garden and Penn Station every month. Yeah. Great show, great artist alley, veteran creators, someone new, uh, movie people, gone. I mean, folded into Wizard. Yeah. In all honesty, I I go on Twitter and I see, I feel like every time I turn around, there's another con. Mm Somebody is going to something. That is kind, of, and a lot of people they go to like a lot of them. Yeah. People that I don't know where they live. Yeah, but they're traveling. Like Travis, for example. Yeah, uh, who writes for the site? He goes to a lot of this stuff. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I saw him at Seattle and at uh, yeah. Portland. I yeah. mean, that's awesome. Like, I would love to to be able to you know hop skip and go to a bunch of stuff. I mean, yeah. we get New York Comic Con, and unless we want to really travel, that's about it. 
Yeah, I mean, there's the the Boston Con, uh, but yeah, I mean, but we do get the second biggest one. Yeah, so. which you guys yeah. should go to because I will be there. I think. <laughs> of course we're going to be there. No, he means Boston. Boston. Oh, Boston? Yeah, oh. Yeah. They rescheduled it, right, Sonny? Yeah, it's going to be the first week of August. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, that's not good for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's seriously not. That's not good for me. I have a wedding uh, that weekend. My oh, okay. cousin's getting married. Oh, cool. Is it like your third cousin? Because then you can totally get no, out of it. No, it's my first cousin. Uh, yeah, I can't get out of first like The only female. Do you like them? <laughs> yes, nice I question. love my cousin Kim. She's awesome. She's awesome to antagonize. It's great. I've been doing well, it for years. Well, okay. If you, if you want to put it that way, I was giving you an out. You'd be like, no, 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 no. No, she's super cool. And then two weeks like, after that, uh, one of my best friends is getting married. So it is going to be amazing. Cool. It should be a is fun. It? Yeah. August is going to be uh, blurry. <laughs> I don't understand the aversion. People have aversion to going to weddings. And let me, if anybody, I should have their version because yeah. I've gone to 90 I, of them in the last couple of years working. But I, you get free food and free drinks. I think it depends on okay. the person getting married. Well, yeah. But I, actually, yeah. The, the, the less I care about the person, the better it is. I don't have to pay yeah. any attention. I can just. Well, see, the last <laughs> wedding I was at, I was a bridesmaid at. And like being in the wedding is like terrible. Well, yes. it's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 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 And you're spending a tremendous amount of money. Uh, Yes. Yeah. No, Uh, but actually going to weddings is great. mm. Dress up, good food, booze. Come on. Dancing. Dancing. Exactly. Awesome. (laughs) Raise the roof. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Brian Lee O'Malley. (laughs) 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 These are actual noises I make when I'm dancing. I believe it. Yeah. Absolutely. I can't explain why. You know, I go to bars and just wind up all by myself. Yeah. What is she doing? I'm building the brick house. <laughs> when I'm done, we're going to raise it. <laughs> uh, when you turn around, the dance floor is empty. Do you ever have that? What? Yeah. Huh? What, what? Where you going? Yeah. Come back. <laughs> all right. So. We'll keep with the happy stuff going on. Let's see going to news. So uh, Marvel officially picked up Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, the new uh, Joss Whedon-created Marvel show, which will star Clark Gregg, reprising his role as Agent Coulson, uh, as well as a cadre of other people who are playing people not within the Marvel Universe already, uh, you know, uh, as a S.H.I.E.L.D. team trying to deal with this developing superhero uh situation and we had a quick we had they released a series of teasers they released one that was about nine seconds long yeah. then they released uh, a 30 second one with once upon a time and then earlier today they released uh a three minute long full trailer ah, uh for oh, the I first episode oh it's a goodie it's really awesome um and uh stephanie you actually brought it to me before we got on air what did you think of the shield trailer i think it looks fun yeah. it looks hokey it looks Hokey as hell, but it looks like it's going to be one of those shows that's just very Joss Whedon that packs a punch in terms of like humor and um, just like, did I say fun yet? Yes. It's the first thing you said. I did. It's the first thing you said. I'm so spacey. (laughs) Well, and I'm not even drinking. But anyways, I think it looks awesome. Um, There was a couple of really witty remarks in the show. Like, I think they were talking about... um, do you know what shield stands for? Yes. Yeah. And he like yeah. lists out what shield stands for. And then he's like, do you know what that like means or whatever? And he's like, I think it just stands for, or you guys just wanted an excuse for you shield. Yeah. For your name to spell out shield. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. The way I say it, it's not funny. This is why I'm not a stand-up comedian. 
Remember that time there was that guy that said something and it was shield? It was shield. <laughs> anyway. Wow. You got a kick out of yourself, though. That's for sure. <laughs> With every it. consecutive week that she's on, she gets weirder. Yeah, it's true. Oh, boy. I will be good. I, I'm good. Well, welcome good. to level seven. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, so... You know, the, the castle's interesting. Uh, Bob, what do you think of the trailer? Oh, you're already folding in everything else. You're yeah. seeing Cap's shield and, and Thor's yeah. hammer. Uh, in the short trailer is the Hulk smashing stuff to bits. Yeah. It looks like the, the you know, melee in Harlem from uh, the yeah. Edward Norton Hulk movie. Uh, again, it's, it's Joss Whedon's signature humor. It's, mm-hmm. uh, and we get, you know, Agent Coulson back. Yeah, we do. Absolutely. He died at the Battle of New York. Well, yeah. <laughs> really. Uh, we... Uh, I think we're definitely going to get a shield flying car as well. Yes. The don't touch Lola thing at the end yep. definitely looks like a shield flying car, which should be cool. It definitely looks like it's, it has that signature weed and humor, and it looks like it's going to do the same thing that's been done in Firefly and Buffy and, and, and stuff, just with the Marvel twist. Um, we have you know a kind of unknown entity, uh, the actor J. August Richards, who played Gunn in Angel, um, is playing a kind of an un, unnamed superhero at this point. Someone who has kind of shown up with these powers. Uh, we're not sure who he is. There's a big rumor coming around that maybe he's playing Luke Cage. But there's another character that they it seems more likely. And what was that character, Bob? Rage. Rage? Mm-hmm. That was in the Avengers for a bit. Okay. Um, I guess it's volume three of the Avengers. All right. Um, sort of wore a hoodie. Yeah, you know, had a, had a mask, super strong, mostly invulnerable, mm-hmm. kind of young. This actor looks awfully young to be Luke Cage, right? So I'm, I'd go with Rage. Yeah, uh, and they said uh, what I was reading is he could possibly kind of it's a, like a less expensive way to do a Hulk type character. They can have, you know, a lot of strength mm. and, a, and a lot of destruction and not have to have this. It always be a CG character the entire time it's going on. I like that. Yeah. Uh, you know the the little teasers. I I, I you know, I'm excited about the show anyway. The little teasers didn't get me going, but this definitely uh, got me very very excited. I like the one character the saying, "There's a there's a, a redheaded woman kicking Sirius behind." Yeah, is that who I think it is? Yeah, no, she's the pilot. Yeah, <laughs> we definitely it. see you know some. Uh, there's definitely a shot of what looks like Iron Man flying by. Yep. That's definitely a shot from the show and not a shot from the movie. So I think you're going to get a lot of kind of ancillary looks at those characters and i think it'd be interesting if we were talking about this off air but if they use the show to maybe launch some characters that are lesser known like luke cage or iron fist they did a heroes for hire type of thing within the show could be a good way to introduce those characters without the pressure of them having to carry their own movie initially see Um, what the buzz is going to be and then move on if the positive response absolutely uh you got sorry stephanie go ahead i just want to say like I will watch this 100%, like Joss Whedon, Avengers stuff, done, mm-hmm. sold. I'm nervous about the fact that it's ABC. Um, I realize that, you know, Marvel is owned by Disney, which owns ABC, la, 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 la. So it was pretty well, like, the obvious choice for them to broadcast on ABC. Mm-hmm. But I find that ABC does so many filler episodes that it takes away from, um, like, the quality of their TV show sometimes. Um, and... I'm a little worried about that, but I mean, outside of that, I mean, what more could you want? Right. Yeah. And unprecedented too now, you know, expanding that universe to television is unprecedented. Uh, and for it to be the same universe and not just a superhero show on TV, which we've seen before, but actually 
it goes hand in hand with the movies. You could see any one of these characters show up in the Avengers two as a as a as a shield agent on the helicarrier yeah. or what have you. Uh, now, Steve, you haven't seen the the full trailer. No, I've only seen. I saw the the seven second one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like. Oh, oh, that's the long trailer. Okay, <laughs> so this is the this is the teaser trailer for the teaser trailer. Yeah, and I saw the thirty second one, mm. and I didn't get much from that either. Yeah, so maybe during the break, I'll take a I'll take a gander at the the full trailer. Yeah, absolutely. Are you excited though about the idea of the show? Oh, absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. Nice. Um, I love Joss Whedon's shows, Firefly, Buffy, Angel. All three of them were phenomenal. Yeah, he has he has now has a chance finally to have a show that breaks beyond. The kind of cult yeah. uh, status that he's had, you know, mm-hmm. in, in kind of all his other his other shows. Um, it's kind of like Nathan Fillion was on Castle and it got renewed for its like second season. And he was like, "I'm finally on a show that I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah, that show's still running and it got renewed again by ABC. I uh, know because he's awesome. It's true, he is awesome. <laughs> Maybe he can be in Shield. Maybe he can. That's absolutely true. I mean, there was that rumor a long time ago that he would play. Uh, Hank Pym. That would have been great. But he he kind of dismissed it a little bit, so I don't know if if that would ever happen. I think he's more into playing someone like Steve Trevor than uh, than uh, Hank Pym. He was very good in the animated one. He is very good in the animated one. Uh, speaking of DC, uh, we once again have a round of cancellations. None of them are too big of a surprise since they're all kind of the bottom books yeah. that were left as far as sales go. Uh, they canceled Dial H, Demon Knights, and Legion of Superheroes uh, officially. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, it's, it's only, not weird for them, but it hurts them a little bit, I think, just because it takes away, whatever you think of those books, takes away shades of their universe that don't exist other places, mm-hmm. you know, the, this futuristic stuff, and then this medieval thing, and then this kind of horror-ish bent they have with Dial H, Th- those things are taken away um, now. Steve, you were really into Dial H when it started, but by the end, you you kind of jumped off. The yeah, thing, right? I dropped off pretty early. Mm-hmm. I I was always kind of lukewarm on it from the start. I enjoyed it to a point, but it was a little too silly mm-hmm. for my taste. I know a lot of people that enjoy it, though. I know, I believe Ryan uh, Carroll off yeah. of Twitter. I know he likes it. There's a couple of people that come into the shop that buy it all the time and say that they really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But I think it was around the zero issue where I checked out. I just, I, I, at first I liked the idea of the, the overweight nobody getting his chance to become these heroes mm-hmm. and the, you know, the limitless possibilities that you could have when dialing this thing that you're going to have a hero that comes, you know, will handle the situation. But it just got a little out of control mm. when you had Bumper Carla and Open Window Man, and mm. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't take it seriously. Right. Unfortunately, well, I read the first couple and really found it to be as if someone who hated comics and the, the forms of comics wrote a comic. Mm-hmm. Look how silly this is! I can have Bumper Carla and you yeah. know too much Coffee Man, which is actually a real <laughs> character. Um, particularly when the original Dial H was a kid who found the alien device. Yeah. Now, if you had done that, wouldn't that have been a nice way to have a young adult's yeah, book mean, in like, their universe? Yeah. I like weird. I, don't mm. get me wrong. I, I love weird. I just It was a little too random and a little too unpredictable. Mm. I didn't know what I was buying into every month. And maybe if it was something that came out a little bit faster, I would have been able to go with the momentum of it. Mm. But it was just a little too here and there for me. I am said it is canceled because, as you say, Bobby, it is a different shade for them. That weird thing. They, yeah. they do horror, but this is 
bizarre. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, and again, taste is something that's so, you know, subjective, obviously, and one person's garbage is another person's treasure. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, obviously the book wasn't selling, so they're going to, they're going to cancel it yeah. because that's, they've said that since the, they started this whole initiative that the books don't sell, they're going to cancel them. Yeah. Threshold's gone too, right? Threshold is gone too. Yeah. Already? Yeah. yeah. Already. Wow. Um, which is another thing, but there was also a rumor, apparently Giffen, uh, DeMatteis and McGuire have all been tweeting like they have a project coming up together, uh, which I know a lot of people are excited about because I think Giffen and DeMatteis had a, lo- a good history together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing about canceling Legion of Superheroes is that the only book now left, when they launched New 52, they, they kind of segmented their books into the Dark books, the Batman books, the Superman books, Green Lantern books, and they had this Young Justice imprint, which was Teen Titans, Legion of Superheroes, um, the Ravagers, a couple of their books, uh, and the only one I think left in that grouping is Teen Titans now. So, you know, that's a little bit of an issue for them if they want to be hitting that market. Um, uh, Sorry. Paul Levitz, who was writing Legion of Superheroes, um, had said this. uh, The word came out yesterday. DC's officially announced the end of the current run of the Legion with number 23. Sad to see my old friends go. Hoping my tale for that issue with Kevin Maguire illustrating will be an honorable end. As a reader, I'll miss them until their next incarnation, whenever and however that may come. As a writer, I'm privileged to have gotten three chances to work with this vast and wonderful cast, and now onto other projects and other worlds. To those of you who have supported my tales of of the future since back when Wonder Woman debuted in primetime, Joe Namath played his last as a jet, and the U.S. thought Nevada was a reasonable place to test nuclear weapons. My thanks. Few of us get to play for so long in a world we loved as a child, and I'll always appreciate the readers who made it possible. Long live the Legion. Wow. <clears throat> so that's what Paul Levitt said. Mark Wade was not happy on Twitter. <laughs> he goes, holy shit, did DC just end the Legion franchise after 40 years of continuous publication? Um... It's, uh, you know, and he was just, he said, forgive my momentary LSH freak out. I'm over it. I just wish DC supported, believed in the franchise, but they, they have not for decades. Um, mm-hmm. So, yes. So Legion of Superheroes has been canceled. It, you know, it's that, I mean, now we're at 45 titles uh, in the new 52. So obviously we're bringing announcements. The rumors, there's been rumors about Martian Manhunter, Booster Gold, you know, a, a ton, a ton of stuff like that. Um, also, Villains Month is happening in September where they're kind of giving all the books to the villains of those books and labeling them number ones. Uh, so, what? Yeah. So, you know, there'll be like a number, there'll be, you know, the whatever the JLA villain is, the Society of Evil or whatever it is, will be, it'll be their book for that month. Interesting. And then they're kind of, uh, the rumor is that some of those books now will continue as ongoings, kind of spun out of that. Because of the, you know, because of the hole in the... In the Lex in Luthor funnies. Lex <laughs> Luthor funnies. Um, well, instead of Superman adventures, you know. <laughs> Stephanie, you weren't reading any of these books, right? No. I had a couple of them, like, picked up and ready to read at some point in time, but I can kind of just take my time, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, You've no, been they've saved. been canceled. Yes. Um, to the bottom of the pile they go. <laughs> uh, in... I don't think a book has ever got canceled or reported to be canceled and then it wasn't canceled so quickly, but today or yesterday, Avengers Assemble, Kelly Sudakana book, was reported as canceled because a newsletter sent out by the by the Marvel subscription service said that subscriptions for Avengers Assemble would be rolling over into Avengers and a couple of their books they were listing as well, one of which is an animated series book that's ending to, to bring in uh, the new animated series book for the Avengers. Um you know, the internet exploded. Every news site in the world reported it. 
Uh, and then Marvel confirmed not a few hours later that the book would not be canceled. And Kelly Sudakana came out and also said that she wouldn't be writing the book until her old age, but the th- the tales yeah. of their demise were very much premature. So that's not really much news, but in case anybody out there was had heard it was canceled and didn't see the follow-up that yeah. it wasn't canceled, it is still going on. Um, Gee, have they canceled Pretty Deadly yet? That hasn't even come out. They, they just, <laughs> they're two for two with her so far. Uh, for more DC stuff... Um, uh, Grant Morrison has done a couple interviews today and, and finally revealed uh, what his Wonder Woman book has become, and that's Wonder Woman Earth One, which will slot in with the other Earth One books. Uh, obviously, we had Batman Earth One by Jeff Johns and Superman Earth One by J. Michael Straczynski. Um, it was originally imagined as All-Star Wonder Woman, and it was retitled after the uh, Frank J- Miller, Jim Lee, All-Star Batman and Robin, The Boy Wonder, ran late and proved to be critically toxic in 2008. So it's now called Wonder Woman Earth One uh, to tie into those two books we had already uh, talked about. Um, and Yannick Paquette is doing the art on nice. it. Um, <clears throat> he also talks a little bit about his uh, Multiversity book, which is nine books, each taking place in a different section, a different universe in the DC multiverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there'll be one completely with the Captain Marvel family and one all with, you know, Uncle Sam and th- those, those characters, each done by a different artist. Uh, seven of them will be 40 pages and the first and the last one will be 80 page spectaculars and we no really date on when that's going to come out uh, but Steve do the, either of those things or both of them sound exciting to you sounds confusing <laughs> to me uh, I was reading something this past weekend and oh, I was reading Young Avengers mm. and they, they get to a, a time travel thing and they make several jokes about it being a time travel story. They're like, I want details. And all, one of them just goes, it's about time travel. He goes, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, oh, never mind. Uh, now, mo- multiple universes and such. I don't know that I've had too much experience with uh, the like multiversity ki- kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to try this out. But for the most part, unless it's very concise, my, my brain starts to hurt after a while of keeping track of all these places and times. Well, they're very. It's each book is its own universe. Yeah, like it's not going to be. One. They're not going to be intermingling. Okay. In the series, it's going to be w- one for each of the different uh, universes. That I can handle, or what have yeah. you. I mean, Bob, what do you think uh, about? Well, this? unless they decide at the end that that's you know we were joking before. That's the reboot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they decide to go back to some version of the old Fifty Two by using that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like seeing those old characters again. So yeah. who, uh, why not? Why not see the old Phantom Lady and mm-hmm. Uncle Sam and the Human Bomb and the rest of it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. The Wonder Woman leaves me a little cold. Uh, the art they showed there is very pretty, but it's Wonder Woman's mom Hippolyta you know, fighting with Hercules or something. So we're into another origin that's not the real one. Mm-hmm. And we um, he had made mention of you know wanting to go back to Doctor Marston's original. And then I read something where, well, we're going to give her back the va-va-voom. So that's what you got out of reading the original Wonder Woman. Like, okay, well, have to wait and see. Mm -hmm. I mean, he had a quote about, uh, you know, her... You know, embracing the, the the feminine aspects of the character, and how men and women are different, and and she she um, the things that she stands for. You know, you shouldn't be afraid to 
you know, um, put those things on, on on front street and not and not hide behind you know, them. So, well, if, if what we're talking about there is the uh, the feminine values of love and all yes. the rest of that, yeah. yes, if it's putting her what's the what's the right word here to use her feminine pultritude <laughs> into into your eyeballs by you know spilling out of her bodice, then that's va va voom. That's not the idea. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to know till we see it. Right. Uh, Stephanie, does a Grant Morrison, Yannick Paquette, Wonder Woman book interest you? Um, yes and no. Um, I don't think I'm infatuated with Grant Morrison like everyone else seems to be. Uh, obviously, I love I Wonder am not Woman. either, for the record. Um, it just... <laughs> I just wanted to say that. Sorry. <laughs> You've been waiting for months to say that. <laughs> it just Go seems ahead. to me like he's one of those writers that just does stuff to get attention and hype. And like, that's cool, I guess, if you well, like that sort of thing. Examples. Like you have to give examples stuff. to back that up, though. No, I, I know. I'm not <laughs> going to rant about it right now, though. Like, I like some of his work, but I don't know. I will read this because I'm curious, but I can't say that it would be my ideal team on this book. Okay. That's, that's where I stand. Mm. Okay. <laughs> For the record, I like that, Steve. Um, well, here's part of his quote. It says, It's a comic about the sexes and how we feel about one another and how Wonder Woman represents the best of something and should be allowed to represent it and also re- represent uh, a creator's interest, shall we say. That's what he says. Um, okay. So then the other thing he got out of, of Dr. Morriston is the loving submission idea which has excited some people who have a certain fetishistic nature about the book, and it is part of it, but that wasn't what it was about, and it wasn't meant to be that. <sighs> grumble, grumble, grumble. For the record, I am now not happy. Okay. I don't know how you got that out of that quote, but I will... I'll... Oh, that's... You're, you're, without doing air quotes, you did air quotes around the word interest. Well, that, well, I think that's what there was quotes around the thing. Right. Well, that's yeah. what he's that's exactly okay. what he's talking about. Um, Tr- trust me on this one, boys. All right. <laughs> uh, in in some nice ones here, uh, a Nebraska library has refused to pull Batman the Killing Joke off of their shelves. Um, Damn right. A Nebraska mm-hmm. library has rejected a request to either remove Alan Moore and Brian Bollard's The Batman the Killing Joke from shelves or move the 1988 DC comic one shot out of the young adult area. I don't find it worthy of being removed from the shelf, says Columbus Telegram, quotes Columbus Public Library board member Carol Keller, a saying of last week's meeting. A patron objected to the comic saying it was very adult and advocates rape and violence. However, in a 3-0 vote, two members were absent. The board disagreed, contending that many prose books and comics depict violence and the patron's interpretation of rape was misconstrued. I like, I like advocates rape. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, go out and rape people. Yeah, yeah that's not what the book says. No. I, it's in the young adult section. It's not in the children's section. Yeah. So I think that's a nice stand-up, though, against censorship. Yeah. And that's always nice to see. I need a library card for that place. Yeah, the, the Nebraska library. Yep. <laughs> All right. So um, moving on from the news, let's talk about our books of the week. Uh, Bob, why don't you start out? Sure. It was kind of a light week, um, but I will expand. Um Starting off, Fearless Defenders 4, uh, just each 
month. This has just been such a great surprise. I mean, I went in not really knowing a lot of Cullen Bunn. You guys both had read, what was he? Was it? I don't, I don't know. Oh, I didn't no? read anything. Yeah, he read a, oh, okay. he's done a little bit of Deadpool. Oh, okay. And he does uh, The Sixth Gun, which is an indie series from Oni Press. But I haven't really read much of his stuff. It, this is just clever. Uh, it's action-packed, funny, witty, beyond just being flat-out, mm-hmm. laugh-out-loud funny. And the story here, you know, Valkyrie has not done her job. She was supposed to find some new sword maidens to stop bad stuff from happening, and she couldn't find eight people worthy enough, eight heroes on Earth worthy enough, so now the doom maidens have risen. Mm-hmm. Uh, they flee. Her little team, they just take off, because what are you going to do instead? Uh, books got just tons and tons of attitudes. Great art by Will Sliney. Uh, some neat colors this time around. It's Veronica Gandini. Fun lettering for the various... Uh, it's Clayton Coles for the various speech patterns of these characters. Just a real, real uh, nice read. Um, though I have to say, on this one, there's a letter page spoiler for the Age of Ultron. So oh, really? anyone, anyone who's reading Fearless Defenders, maybe skip the letter page. <laughs> there's um, not this week, but next week, there's another Fearless Defenders that ties into the event. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. there was, uh, someone's asking about how this all ties together mm-hmm. and it gets spoiled. Uh, Steve, I know you're reading... Yeah, I uh, that's I keep saying every issue that comes out, I'm like, this one's my favorite since <laughs> you know all of them came out. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's it's a romp, and there aren't too many comics that you can really say that about. Yeah. But it is definitely a romp. It's funny, and I love uh, how do you Hippolyta? Hippolyta. Hippolyta. She's hilarious. I like funny characters. Yeah. She had me laughing. So uh, that was one of the books that I did get to read that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Indeed. Bobby, you uh, take a flyer. I haven't read this one yet. Okay, I haven't read. I haven't read number four. Number four. So, four. So four. I didn't say too much about. Yeah, it. <laughs> uh, but no, I have really been enjoying the series. Up everyone dies. <laughs> no. Ultron shows up and just steps on everyone. <laughs> uh, what I want to mention as an expansion for people who want some catch up on this. Uh, oh, that sounds like a yeah, Burger no, King, yeah, right? No. <laughs> yeah, let me retract that I statement. I want some mustard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Misty Knight, just before this, over the last couple of years, was actually leading the Hero for Hire organization, and then it turned into Villains for Hire just before the end. It was Dan Abnett. Oh, really? And uh, so what's, what the more players will be coming into Fearless Defenders as the months go on, and mm-hmm. that's how we're going to start to see that moving mm-hmm. forward, and the whole process is in there. So while these are all cheap, before there's part of the S.H.I.E.L.D. television show or something <laughs> else goes on, you should be picking up villains and or heroes for hire. So. All right. Not that anyone will, but I'm going to mention anyway. Um, <laughs> I might. <laughs> there you go. But in terms of actual book of the week, it's from IDW. All right. Uh, Rocketeer, Hollywood Horror Number 4, uh, which is Roger Langridge and Jay Bone, and colors by Jordi Belair. Jay Bone. And just... This book, uh, we went through the Rocketeer Adventures, where it was all the anthologies, the Mark Wade and Chris Samney cargo uh, before this. We have all of Hollywood at play here with a sort of a very mystic fellow named Otto Rune, who's sort of their uh, L. Ron Hubbard. Only there's a giant Cthuloid monster on the Hollywood Bowl with a, a uh, stadium filled with uh, movie celebrities. In this issue, for instance, we, we see Johnny Weissmuller and Buster Crabbe complaining about trees. <laughs> uh, W.C. Fields is wandering around Groucho Marx uh, who's actually helping Cliff 
That's awesome. Cl- Cliff has lost his jetpack. PV builds him another one that doesn't work. His has disappeared to the rightful owners, and we've seen Monk and Ham from Doc Savage. And as, as this issue ties up the storyline about halfway through, oh, there he is, there's Doc Savage. Um, Doc Savage shows up, mm-hmm. not identified by name, but it is quite obviously him. Mm-hmm. There he is. For those <laughs> of us on radio, there's, there's, the, there's Doc Savage. He's got quite the haircut on this little uh, novel here. It's the Man of Bronze. That's he looks the first like the, paperback. He looks like the vision. <laughs> this, well, this came long before. Th- these covers, by the way, the old uh, paperback covers, is an arsenal of James Bama, uh, who is certainly was the Alex Ross of his time. I mean, it's photorealistic, mm-hmm. and there that's is a drawing. That's a, yeah. That's a it paint, looks that's like a, it looks like a photograph. That's yeah. a painting. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, uh, he did the covers for all those uh, uh, novelizations. On the back cover is actually a painting he did of what, what was the movie that had come out that same year. That's impressive. Um, Doc Savage is is in a pulp magazine character from the '30s. He is in many ways the predecessor to Superman. Mm-hmm. Well, he's the man of bronze as opposed to the man of steel. Uh, He had a fortress of solitude at the North Pole, and his real first name is Clark. Oh, wow. Hmm. So when DC sued Fawcett over Captain Marvel being a ripoff, one of the things they brought up is, well, what did you do? (laughs) You stole all this stuff from Doc Savage, and you're coming after us? And they won the lawsuit a few times. But I would love if IDW actually had the rights to this character, especially mm. with a, a movie. Yeah, we didn't talk way. about that last week, but uh, Shane Black, who directed wrote Iron Man 3, is writing and directing a Doc Savage movie. Ooh. It got announced yep. last week. And yeah. uh, all the stuff you see Tony Stark doing, mm. Doc Savage was doing in the 30s. He made helicopters, and he lived in the Empire State Building and did mm. all this crazy stuff. Uh, I... IDW has done such a great job with the, some of their licensed characters. Love to see that. So, yeah, anyone reading Rocketeer, Betty's got a lot to do. All our and they work out their relationship a little bit. And coming next is Rocketeer and the Spirit. Right, Mark Wade. Mark right? Wade. Yes. Hmm. Definitely have to so, check that out. So that's it for me. All right, Stephanie. What about you? Um. Again, it was like well, not again. Like Bob, it was a light week for mm-hmm. me. Um. I picked up a couple things. So, I mean, the first thing that I read that was, you know, at the top of my list was Batman number 20. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. This this story was kind of a fun little mini, I guess. Mm-hmm. Not really fun. It was pretty dark, especially towards the end of it. But right. um, I thought for some reason that 20 was the start of... Zero year? Yeah. <laughs> nope. It uh, was very wrong, apparently. I forgot that it, the... Uh, 19 had a follow-up. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of like, this wasn't what I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed it. As I mean, I'm like of the mind right now that Scott Snyder can do no wrong, mm-hmm. really. You know, I didn't really love the last arc, but he just still does all these new and interesting things with Batman. And I can't help but like what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's it's just refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, What'd you think, think of the uh, backup, like the su- oh. the Superman Batman backup? Yeah, actually, um, I I really enjoyed it. Actually, mm-hmm. I think this was my favorite part of this little two part series because it was just an interesting take that you don't really see a lot of supernatural stuff that Batman deals with, like actual supernatural stuff. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, so it was kind of a neat spin that there wasn't like, you know, secretly old Mr. Jenkins, <laughs> you know, wrapped in a bed sheet. Mm-hmm. It was like legitly a supernatural story. And I thought that was really cool. Um, I liked Superman being in it and I liked that you kind of saw that sort of part of Batman that's really hurting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it just shows his vulnerability and then, you know, that he can still kick ass and bring shit down. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was really cool. You? You know, I, I thought it was really good. I, you know, it, I, I liked the way, I mean, the Batman number 20 deals with that Damien loss again, very directly. And all the Batman books that I've been reading anyway, have been doing that. Um, uh, in kind of different ways, but I liked the way that Tinian and uh, Alex Maleev was the artist uh, on the backup dealt with it in a different way, dealt with it in a look at him pouring into his work, you know, kind of trying to ignore everything that was happening. Um, I also love it because it reinforces the friendship between Clark and Bruce, which is always something I really like to read in those books. And it, and it shows you, you know, neither Batman nor Superman actually have the skill set really to defeat this supernatural being because Superman can't handle magic and Batman is just, you know, a guy who, uh, but, you know, Batman solves this problem by being exposed emotionally to this, to this girl. And I, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed seeing the connection between him and that girl because of both of their losses. Um, and I like the subtle, um, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't, um, gotten this far, but obviously like you, most people know that Damien has passed away and anyone would be a wreck if they lost their child. Mm. Um, and I think a few people I've heard on the internet have been like a little upset that Batman hasn't been more like upset about the whole thing. And I just, there's a little, I think it's in the, at the end of 20, um, where they just subtly, he's like, I don't want, I can't lose it. Like I did with Jason. Mm -hmm. And, it was just a really nice moment for him, like to kind of humanize him and be like, he's hurting, but he knows that he has, he's made a sort of obligation to the city to be its protector. And he can't let the city down, even though, you know, he's in the super dark place. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that moment with Alfred, mm-hmm. it's just really sweet. Yeah. And the whole point is like, he, he can't, he doesn't want to, he, he can't lose himself like he did with Jason, but he can't let go yet. Yeah. Of Damien. Yeah, and that's I it's a great that moment. moment. Yeah. It's a great little moment, you know, and I, I think the people who are honestly, I mean, if the people want to see him really losing his shit about the death, they should be reading Batman and Robin, where yeah. that's kind of where they're dealing more directly with that issue. You know, um both these issues have been they're doing kind of the five stages of grief and this issue with Red Hood actually, with Jason, uh dealt directly with, you know, him kind of spiraling. Uh so I like that the Snyder book is doing something a little different. So we're not just getting repeats of the same conversations and the same, you know, that kind of stuff. Which has to be tricky considering they all kind of sit in on, like, I think they all have like that, the bat talks. Yeah. And, you know, it's got to be tricky to be like, well, how do we make him human in our book, but not like, you know, overdo it because you're doing it in this book. How do we keep focused on the story and keep our readers happy? Yeah. Like it's, I, I like what they're doing with, um, that world right now and how they're collaborating to make sure that they're not stepping on 
other writers' toes and such. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that would make it all the easier once we start Zero Year because sure. it will take Snyder's kind of role completely out of it at that point. You mm-hmm. know, and so I think that's pretty smart, actually. Let the Batman and Robin book deal with that Robin fallout and S- Snyder can tell his story a little more. There's also a little nod to Batman Beyond in in this in this issue. Yeah, I'm just looking at it, yeah. uh, which is really really cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked that too. Yeah, uh, no, very good issue, and it's cool. This little two part arc was nice. It was a nice little breath of fresh air in between these giant arcs that we've been getting. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. even though I wasn't expecting it, because you know, yeah. bad memory, <laughs> yeah. I, I was still pretty happy with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'll just quickly. Like, I don't think there was anything specifically that I loved more than anything else. I think Batman was probably my favorite thing mm-hmm. this week. But I also read um, uh, from Dark Horse Comics, Last of Us American Dreams. Oh, cool. Number one. Cool. Um, how, how is that? So I will tell you. I t- <laughs> you know, as I said it, I was like, she's just about to tell me. <laughs> it's okay. But wait, there's more. Um, so for those of you who don't know, there's a video game coming out on June 14th from yeah. Naughty Dog, who mm. is the company that did... Uncharted, yeah? Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's called Last of Us. If you haven't seen the trailer, I really look it up. Um, it looks fantastic. Um, I didn't realize that they were going to be doing tie-in comics or anything like that, but um, I think last month they released the first issue of sort of a prequel to the game, mm-hmm. um, giving us a little background about what's going on and I guess just kind of hyping up uh, the release. Mm-hmm. So... It's forgive me because I don't remember both the writers. There's two writers. One of them is Faith Aaron Hicks, who does the art, and I forget the other one right this second. Um, I will get back to that. But if you remember, I think it was last week or the week before. I know these weeks that I'm on the yeah. show consecutively, they're <laughs> mixing together. Yeah. But um, she was the artisan writer on the Adventures of Superhero Girl. Oh, so oh, okay. It takes this, you know. She goes from this fun, adorable, like cutesy comic to Last of Us American Dreams, which is like, from what I can gather, sort of a post-apocalyptic tale of woe. Mm-hmm. Um, of woe. Whoa. Of whoa. Of woe there, buddy. <laughs> um, they, again, it's the first issue, so they don't give you a lot to work with. They kind of just give you hints of what's going on and I have a feeling they won't tell you everything right away. It'll be more of a character development story so that you can wait and see what's really going on in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but you meet the character, I believe her name is Ellie. And, yeah. uh, pardon? Yeah, I think so. I got writers here for you, stuff. Oh, okay. Oh, it's, they- uh, Neil Druckmann. Yeah. And Faith and Aaron Faith Hicks. Aaron right? Hicks mm-hmm. And, uh, Christina Strain is the colorist. Cool. Thanks. Um, but yeah, like, this is just a story kind of building up what's going on with Ellie and um, how her life is, like, where she is before the game starts. Um, and she's kind of in this containment camp thing that's... Containment camp? I don't know. It's like a quarantine from the rest of the city mm-hmm. um, where a bunch of people still live and it's just, you know, kind of... I don't know. They they give people meals and stuff, but they're guarded by soldiers. And I guess it's one of those things where you're being protected, and yet it's sort of like a prison in the sense that you can't leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I love the art more than anything else so far in the story. 
Um, but again, that's because they haven't really given a lot. But it's really interesting. And I would like to check out um, the second issue of this leading up to the game and obviously also play the game. I've pre-ordered it and I can't fucking wait. <laughs> um, I believe the second issue is out on May 29th. Okay. And I'm pretty stoked for that. So cool. I just wanted to briefly mention it. It looks beautiful. And um, if you're looking for something different and if you are, in fact, going to play the game, I recommend checking it out. Nice. Ooh. Nice. Anything else, Stephanie? Um, I didn't read too much else. I read like Katana, which was like, eh. <laughs> and I read a couple issues of Swamp Thing to catch up to it. So mm-hmm. now I'm all caught up. And I think, but I think Steve talked about this last week, if I'm not mistaken, with Scarecrow. Yeah, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but yeah. again, the okay. weeks are blending together. But yeah. What did you think of the, the switch in uh, creative team? Um, I, th- you know, Go for it. <laughs> no, I like it. I liked n- number 19 and I like number 20. Um, they're different. Yeah. But very that's because the story's taking a very different direction. But mm-hmm. I think um, I think it works because at this point in time, Alec Holland has now fully transformed into, you know, Swamp Thing. Yeah. And so it, it seems appropriate to change up the characters to give the character a new voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like what they're doing with it so far. It's definitely a book that I was wary about. It was one of those things where, am I going to want to keep reading this? Or is it one of those things where you followed the writer and the creative team, and now that that's passed, am I done with this book? And it's interesting enough to me to uh, keep on with for the time being, as long as the story keeps being something worthwhile to read. Mm Mm-hmm. And right now it is. So, yay. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Um, Steve, what do you got for us? Well, as everyone has stated before, it was a little bit of a light week. Yes. This past week. The last couple of weeks have been light, including yeah. today. Yeah. Uh, but next week, <laughs> it begins. Big week. A new. Oh, God. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it is It is a big, fat week next <laughs> week in comic book releases. So... One of the things that I've been wanting to do is we're talking about these Marvel books and how these Marvel books are coming out very, very fast. Thankfully, mm. some of them have kind of taken it back or you know dialed it down a notch and uh, aren't killing us week in and week out. But one of the books that is consecutively coming out very, very fast is <laughs> Jonathan Hickman's Avengers. Mm-hmm. We now have 11 issues crazy. of this book yeah. out already with number 12 coming out next Wednesday. Mm. So you could pretty much count on it being every other week that you're going to get one of these. So I decided to hold off on a couple of issues and wait till it was pretty chunky. And I sat down and I read issues one through 11 in one sitting, one shot. And one of the things we were talking about when Hickman released East of West is the idea of waiting Mm -hmm. and waiting for, especially for Hickman stuff and probably for all things, but for Hickman in particular, definitely pays off. The momentum of his Avengers run is so much more gratifying in the second read with everything together that you're able to see how he does those things of that he plants the seed and pretty much tells you how everything is going to end within the first issue that you just have to look for the signs as you go through this issue. And I never really I never really realized reading it week to week how. uh like a part of everything that everything was that sounded really stupid. (laughs) 
But we know exactly what you meant. Yes. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like you, they started off. You started off with that three-issue beginning with uh, ex nihilo and all. Mm-hmm. You know this, the Aleph and all these things. And I didn't really. I, I felt like they'd kind of left it there, mm-hmm. and that was that. But that is not the case, mm-hmm. even a little bit. Everything ties back to that, and it all ties back to the white event. And one of the things that I thought was interesting that. You know, your perspective sometimes changes on comics when you read them a second time. But one of my absolute favorite issues of this run so far was Avengers number six. It's the issue where, uh, what is his name? Shang-Chi is sharing a uh, pie with the universe, Mm -hmm. trying to basically get her to come into a state of calm to find out who the vessel is, where she came from. And one of the moments that he's talking to this woman, he says something that I, it really struck me. Like I had to kind of, it got to me last time, but it had a much, much bigger impact on me this time. And uh, I just wanted to read it really quick. I hope I don't screw this up. I'm very bad at reading things from the page. (laughs) All right. Uh, Shang-Chi is talking to the universe and he says, sometimes who we have been our entire lives gets wiped out in a single day or by a single event. It's uh, So it's really not important to recall all the subtleties of who we used to be. We should start with what's left. I absolutely oh. love that. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that, like, yeah. seize, seize the day, seize the moment mentality. And especially for people that have had rough years or, or just had a, a rough go of things, uh, you know, friends, family, the world, whatever, that it's important to remember that you can shake off the past and you can... You know, past will always be a part of you, but you can make yourself over again. And it's important to to know that and remember that. Mm-hmm. You don't always have to be who you are. You can be someone different. Yeah. So I pulled out that little nugget of inspiration from <laughs> reading this again. Uh, I decided to, not my book of the week, but I decided to pick up Young Avengers. Mm-hmm. The first, the Heinberg yeah, the original run, one, one yeah. through 12. Excellent. Yeah. Absolutely excellent. Really, really great lead into the Children's Crusade, Mm -hmm. which then leads into AVX, which leads into a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, Very, very cool to see a like a kids team, essentially young, young adults Mm -hmm. team and how they all got their names, how they got their costumes, uh, issues that some of them dealt with, secrets they kept the whole bit. Uh, Some things really, really well handled and just fun. Yeah, just a, an overall fun series. Not a little confusing at times. Some of the Kang the Conqueror stuff was a little strange. Mm-hmm. Kind of wrapped it up with a nice big bow uh, on issue number six. A little bit too easy for me, but obviously they had a plan for mm-hmm. what came later. It yeah. was all a part of something much bigger. But one of the other things that I picked up uh, actually today was Stuff of Legend from I believe it was or is Third World Studios and they're I guess published by Villard. Uh for people I talked about this series probably the second or third Talking Comics podcast. You want to go all the way <laughs> back. I don't recommend it. But if you do, I talked about this book that's essentially it's by Mike how would you Reich? Reich? How do you Ratch? I can't <laughs> Bobby will fix yeah, it. For me. I don't know. Am I right? Raked? Raked? Yeah. I'm so sorry. All right. Mike Raked and Brian Smith and illustrated by Charles Paul Wilson III. Uh, If you like fantasy stuff, like wild fantasy, but not just fantasy, think of things like uh, the Nutcracker or the March of the Wooden Soldiers and things like that. Old, 
old black and white or colorized Christmassy type of things. And what it is is a boy gets taken by the boogeyman. These like Cthulhu-like tendrils come out of the hallway door uh, and essentially pull him into a nightmare land. And in very much a Toy Story-like fashion, his toys around the room are essentially they, they've assumed as his guardians. They guard him. They they entertain him. He's their master. Uh, a select few of them go into the dark place and they go to retrieve him. And of course, it winds up being a truly epic adventure. The art is absolutely gorgeous. It's very like sepia-toned, fine pencil work, lots and lots and lots of detail, lots of personality, and just a, a wonderful, wonderful read. I think there's about four volumes of it out at this point. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little bit of an investment, but each volume is around nine ninety nine, very cheap, and very cool if you're looking for something a little bit different, mm-hmm. a little bit more on the uh, indie side of things. So my book of the week is a DC book, everybody. <laughs> oh my god, my book of the week is Suicide Squad number twenty. Of course, there is a new creative team from Alesh Kot and Patrick Zercher who was the artist on Shadow Man from Valiant. And Alesh Kott was the writer of Wild Children that I absolutely loved. And a book called Change that I read twice and still don't understand (laughs) a damn thing about it. And Suicide Squad was really, really cool. It was one of the only books that I read this week. Granted, I haven't read everything, but it was one of the only books that stuck with me because of its atmosphere. Mm Mm-hmm. It's very, it's still violent. It's mm-hmm. still Suicide Squad, but it's got a little bit of a different tone to it. There's a little bit of a different air about it. And it actually made me interested in a character that I haven't cared about up until this point. There's a mystery member of the team. Yes. And I'm not going to reveal who it is because that's the big to do about this issue. But if you haven't heard, it's somebody that's been appearing in other titles that I love. But I just was never I was never enamored with the character overall. I never understood the backstory too well. I never felt like there was enough there to, to really make me give a crap mm-hmm. about them. Now, with them being in this book, seeing having them handled by somebody else, written by somebody else... The character is far more calculating and far more devious and far more sadistic. And I love the idea of the Suicide Squad now being a almost like a question of not what can we get these villains to do for us and have them take care of our dirty work. Mm. It's how far can we push them psychologically so that they'll want to do these things themselves. Right, yeah. And I I really, really dig that angle. Mm. And as much... I did enjoy the first arc of Suicide Squad, and then I dropped off of it. I really like this angle of the team and of the story and of this book much better than anything that I've seen in it previous. Yeah, and I think it works well, too, as a... It's a new creative team. It's kind of a new start. And I think they do a very... A, a good job of introducing you to the characters at play. So if you haven't been reading the book, you can pick it up and just start reading it. Oh, absolutely. And not it, it takes a lot of time to introduce these characters in clever ways. And I also read the first arc and then didn't read the rest. And mm-hmm. 
So I was familiar with these characters, but you know, I had been following them and they kind of catch you up on what's been happening with them and kind of lay out the team dynamics in a way that I I think really works uh, very well. And it's one of those books where, you know, it, it, there aren't these huge, there's not one thing I can point to go, this is so different than the other arc and that's what makes it better. There's just something about the writing Mm -hmm. and something about the look, though they're not a mild, you know, not, they're not a hundred miles different than what came before that just make it better, that just make it more interesting to read. Um, and there's one really clever thing, uh, you know, there, there's a character hitting another character and they're kind of in like the game room of yeah, the, yeah, yeah. and it's like Scrabble tiles. He hits the character and these Scrabble tiles go flying and the Scrabble tiles spell out like crunk because uh, uh, awesome. it does the onomatopoeia of hitting him, which I thought was very clever. And uh, the, one of the things that I really like about it is there was uh, anything where there's a Hunter S. Thompson reference yeah, yeah. and, and a, a joke mm-hmm. made at his expense, a quite good one. Yeah. I thought was great. And there's also on the art side of things, there's a Yolandi Visser uh, poster in the background. Mm-hmm. She's the uh, female portion of uh, Die Onward. They're a very radical and strange uh, foreign okay. rap group. I quite enjoy them. <laughs> I think they're fun. Strange is definitely the word for them. I saw them live. And let me tell you, they were phenomenal. <laughs> I had never in my history of being at that venue heard that place sound the way it did that night. Whoever was working the boards for them blew them up. They were great. <laughs> I uh, could go on about music. We could, we'll, we'll, we'll talk later about it, though. All right. All right. Uh, so that was my book of the week. That's a good choice. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, too. I, I, it was one of the books that stuck with me. Um, it was This week, I don't know, I, I hit this kind of inflection point or something where I just felt extremely burned out on reading monthly superhero books mm. or monthly books at all, you know, or, you know, and books that I've been reading constantly for the, the past year or six months or whatever. And it was more of a slog to get through things uh, th- this week than before. And I don't think it has anything to do with the quality of the books I was reading. I think it was more to do with just with, I just felt snowed under by, you know, what I've been reading and what I was trying to keep track of. And, you know, I was, you know, books I enjoy, like Secret Avengers, I read and I enjoyed it. If you asked me what happened in it right now, I probably couldn't tell you. You know, it's just one of the things where I just wasn't taking in the books, you know. Uh, so Suicide Squad definitely stood out to me because uh, it was something different and new that I hadn't been reading with characters who I was interested in, in, in exploring. You're going to pick up 21? Um... Yes, definitely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I really I know I I really really enjoyed it. I'm definitely of the new creative teams that took over this past week for DC because there was two. Uh it was definitely one that the the one that I preferred over the other one. The other one was Superboy uh right. 20 which I want to talk about just really quick. Uh, Justin Jordan uh who Luther Strode yeah. and, and had been writing uh is writing Shadow Man uh, 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 um, right. also and um, some other books for DC that have been canceled. Uh, he took over kind of the Wildstorm titles, Team Seven, stuff like that. Uh, he took over in this, and th- the book is better than the Superboy stuff I have read previously because I read a chunk of the New Fifty Two Superboy stuff, uh, and I wh- what was there, I found some of it to be very entertaining and, and a very good kind of you know punch him hard you know book. You know, uh, the the real problem with the book, however, is that. The art team is, there are four, four pencilers on the book. Uh, R.B. Silva, Rob Lean, Kenneth uh, Rockfort, and Chris Cross. Uh, Yeah. All of them, all of the art is good. Like, none of them are weak, but they're all very different. And it, 
doesn't really allow you to get a flow going with the book. You know, you're not you're not establishing a visual dialogue w- with what's happening, and so characters look slightly different. You know, one one panel you don't quite look like the way Superboy looks. The next page, oh, it's, I, I like that way he looks, and then 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 two pages later, it's a totally different look, and you're just you're bouncing back and forth. That's what just happened with World's Finest. Yeah, three artists, uh, new trend. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if they're just trying to push it out the, the door. You know, they don't want to be late on it. But you know, th- four artists is a little extreme. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's bad enough when it's two and you get that 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 seismic shift in, in style. Uh, but four is just too much. And the panel that means the panel designs are different. And it's just it's a very odd thing to to go through. Uh, takes away from the story, which while simple, I think is a good intro- reintroduction of the character. Um, I probably will pick up issue 21 to give it another chance because it's a character I want to like from a creator that I very much enjoy. So I'm willing to give it a couple of chances to to change my mind. But I was not as crazy about it as I was hoping to be. Did you read Luther Strode when it was out? I read the first miniseries. I didn't okay. read the, the newest one. Yeah, the issue five of six comes out today. Yeah, uh, but I definitely will pick it up when it's out in trade because I loved the first miniseries. So good. It was awesome. Um that book I want to talk about really quick, and I wasn't going to talk about it, but uh, we had a listener on Facebook named Allison ask for um, our, our, my thoughts or our thoughts about Uncanny Avengers. Um, and, I mean, I talked about it a couple weeks ago, and I don't, I don't want to repeat myself too much, but it continues this kind of trend of being more and more like Remender's Uncanny X-Force was, uh, which is nothing but a good thing. Uh, really complicated story, time travel stuff, you know, shifting allegiances and... Uh, you know, it's doing all this stuff where these characters have all done things in their past, and it's all been this all been orchestrated by King the Conqueror uh, to affect this kind of point now and this present that is going to be the end of this team, and you know, a, a, a lead to Kang conquering the world, blah blah whatever. And they don't even know that they were doing it at the time. You know, it's, he uses Thor's arrogance against him when he's young. He used Wolverine's ferocity when he was younger. You know, all these things put together. It's sowing seeds of disconnect between the team and, and stuff like that. Um, it, it was, uh, I found it really enjoyable. It's very dense. Uh, get a lot with Sunfire, who's a character I don't know very well. Uh, but, it, you know, this stuff is very tied into Apocalypse. And he was an agent of Apocalypse at one point. So Didn't know that. <clears throat> all that stuff is taken in here. You know, we have horsemen. We have the kidnapped children of, Apoc- uh, of Apocalypse coming back and all this stuff. So I found it to be big operatic stuff, which I w- I'm really, really loving the book now. The book that it is now, if you looked at issue one of Uncanny Avengers and now, you know, this issue that we're on now, it doesn't even look like the same book anymore. Uh, there are still those Seeds of the Red Skull stuff. They've mentioned it a couple of times. Uh, and very much what Kang is doing is a direct result of what Red Skull had been bringing on. But what this book is doing now is what I wanted to do from the beginning. So I'm I'm loving it. Um, and just ending this not a book that came out this this week, but <clears throat> really thanks to Jory Bacino, our our contributor. He talks about the Winter Soldier a lot, and I read a chunk of the Brubaker run. Kind of fell off of it and really much didn't think I would ever look at it again once Brubaker was off. But uh, but you know, has talked so highly of uh, Jason Latour and Nick Klein's run that I picked up those issues and I read them this week. And it, it definitely spiritually feels connected to Brubaker's work, um, dealing with that same kind of section of the Marvel Universe that you don't see in other books. This CD espionage area 
but uh, I think the, really the art, the Nick Klein art, has really kind of been a revelation. It's got a little bit of that uh, Chris Samney feeling to it, um, but amazing, amazing uh, panel designs and inventive visuals and a very personal story to Bucky. You know, it feels kind of Jason Bornish in, in its nature of this thing he did in his past that's now kind of coming home to roost and he has to fix it. <clears throat> but he has to kind of use a person he's hurt in the past in order to try to help them. And so it it, it has to take that very well. It definitely has that feeling to it. Uh, really, the lettering in it has been really kind of superb. It just using this kind of faux Russian uh, text sometimes, different different fonts and different sizes. And the letter is uh, Joe Carmanja, Carmanga. <laughs> our 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 skill with names no keeps names. going. But you know, uh, they took over in issue fifteen. Issue nineteen is coming out very soon. That's going to be the last issue. Uh, of Winter Soldier, it got canceled. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. But if you left because Brubaker left, I, I think that you owe it yourself to at least check it out. I think the trade is coming out soon uh, once this 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 arc is over, and it really really deserves a, a read because it's really been it, it's excellent. I'm one of those Brubaker yeah. left. I went with him. Which who, who can blame you? You know the, yeah. the guy who kind of invented the character is now not writing the character anymore, but they do a great job with him, and, and it's definitely worthy of a read uh so that's it for our book of the week segment uh we're gonna take a little break and we're gonna come right back with our listener questions We are back, and we are going to do some of your listener questions today, focusing on you guys. Um, we, we put out the call on Twitter and Facebook. We also have some emails. Um, Stephanie, you collected our our questions from Twitter and Facebook. Why don't you start us off? Give us a question. Okay. Well, you know, I'm going to, like, I'm waving my hands a bit now, so it's like, woo, I'm randomizing them. <laughs> you like Tony Stark? You have the, the display yeah. where you can just throw yep. things around? Yes. How awesome that. is that going to be when that's a reality? It's going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I do that now, but it's just because with... I'm schizophrenic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, we'll start with something fun and simple. And I think this one will mostly be directed as Bob, since I don't really Oops. know. Right. I only know half of this question. But no pressure. Who would win at chess, Bob? Batman or the Shadow? And that's from Barnes McClure. The Shadow, obviously. Why would the shadow win? He has the power to cloud men's minds. <laughs> ah. He he would just change the way the pieces look to Batman. It wouldn't matter how smart he was; they'd all be wrong. He'd move the wrong Batman... piece and lose. What were you but saying, Seventy? Batman would be able to find a way to like nope. counter that. I don't know. <laughs> no. He has he's, a file on everyone in the Justice League. He's not, as you mentioned before, he's not able to handle mysticism and magic. This no, is a the true. mystic far east. Where the shadow studied for years and years to acquire these abilities. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts <laughs> of men? So that's very like definite. There was no speculation in Bob's mind whatsoever. Nope. None. Nope. It's done. Done. Next question. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. 
I know. I feel like Bob just like dropped the mic and walked away. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> um, so this one's from Christian Stoa, and he says, "What video games are you most excited for this year? And why can't Marvel seem to do a vo- good video game, whereas DC kills it?" Steve, you want to mm-hmm. go first? Uh, let's see. Well, we were talking about it earlier, but The Last of Us is at the top of my list. Yeah, me too. Uh, the Last of Us would be one. I am very, very, very much looking forward to Pikmin 3. Pikmin 3 is at one of the top of my list. It's the reason I bought the Wii U, <laughs> and the Wii U will probably be sitting there collecting dust until the day that that game comes <laughs> out. Totally forgot that the Wii U even existed. <laughs> yes. Uh, I would like it very much to play the game uh, Destiny, if anybody's heard of that. Yeah, the, the Bungie huge, game. Yes, this huge game from Bungie. It's very, very ambitious. It looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful graphics and atmosphere and different worlds. It looks like Mass Effect on steroids, <laughs> but the Mass Effect on steroids is also on steroids. <laughs> it looks really yeah. intense, and I'm hoping that it's... Games that are that large scare me because mm-hmm. i don't know like they promise you so many things and then they pull it back and you're like oh well we couldn't fit everything in on you know our on time and i really hope that they do a great job with that yeah uh metro last light just came out yesterday i would very very much like to play that as well it's said that these all these games i mean i understand but i mean they're all like 65 bucks after Yikes. you pay the tax it's yeah. rough you know you've been really... for like five or six years though <laughs> Yeah, but uh. <laughs> Is there any way to rent games anymore? I mean, the old days of video yeah, stores, everyone rented games. You could go to like games. a red box. You could do a Gamefly or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, the online thing is really the way to do it. You never know what kind of condition they'll be arriving in. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. And the problem Keep- is just never getting the games you want, you know, because everybody right. wants the same new games that are coming out. Yeah. Um, if they ever, ever decide to release it, there's a game that was supposed to come out about four years ago called The Last Guardian. Uh, yeah, it was from oh, the- yeah, by the guys that did... I go uh, and Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. yeah, I know it's probably never coming out. They say that they moved it to PS4. That has yet to be seen. Um, I'm actually quite curious about the South Park game. Yeah, the, what? The, there's a there's a big South Park uh, role playing game mm. that's coming <laughs> out where they're all dressed up as wizards and and warlocks and ninjas and. Well, it, there's one. There's an episode right where they're. Yeah, that's Cartman the world of just Warcraft sits there and, that, and ends that up being five thousand pounds. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. that episode. Yeah. Uh, it's not. I, I haven't pre-ordered it yet or done anything of that nature, but it does look extremely official. Mm-hmm. And as long as South Park has been going on, I never ever watch it. But whenever I do catch it, I still laugh my ass off. So I would be very curious to see if that game is as good as they're promising. Yeah, well, they wrote it. I know Matt Stone and Trey Parker yeah. helped write the, the whole script and everything. Um, so, And just as a little aside for listeners, in case you weren't aware, May 21st, uh, this month, they are releasing all the details about the now called the Xbox Infinity Yeah, is the new Xbox system. Mm. Probably, my guess would be being released in November mm-hmm. alongside the PS3 and... PS4. PS4, I'm sorry, PS4. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be interesting yeah i you know there's been a lot of talk as to whether or not xbox was going completely drm which means that you would have to be 
online at all times to play any of your video games to Mm -hmm. use your system at all. There's also talk about the Xbox Infinity being tied into your cable system uh, to have it be a much more streamlined way of watching television and channels that are offered exclusively on the Xbox Infinity. And I mean, I'm curious what's going to be coming out from from both parties. I just don't think that I'll be able to afford both or if either, you know, either of them will be worth affording. Yeah, I I think we're at a very interesting point right now because I think for the first time in a console shift, a lot of people are like, why do I need to get a new one? You know, this one already Ah. looks so good and I've had it for so long and it does all this other stuff. That isn't just video game related. And all wrong, I, the, the, the same people who always buy them right away are going to want to buy at least one of them right away because you want the thing that looks prettier, the one thing that's faster, you want the thing with all the new features. But I think that they're in the first time they're going to have a tough time with their kind of transition. Yeah, um, yeah the, I have no desire to upgrade. Yeah. And it's going to be all for the games, right? It's going to be the first time they have a game that comes out only on one of those two systems that yeah. I want to play that I can't play on the other ones. That's when I'll get it. That's when I'll want to get it. Mm. One more game that I'm very much looking forward to. They're releasing Diablo 3 on the consoles. Yeah. Now, I played Diablo 3. I beat the crap out of Diablo <laughs> 3. I only did not play it for as long as I'd anticipated with waiting God knows how many years to play the damn thing. But four-player co-op, same screen across uh, PS3 Network or Xbox Live with three of your friends, you can't beat that. Right, yeah. Not everybody has... A computer that, like, I have friends that have these systems that don't have a computer that's up to the snuff of playing Diablo three. They just right, yeah, no. would dra- drag everybody down with lag. Now we can play together. Yeah, and I'm sure it's going to have new features, new bonuses. Uh, even if I have to pay for it over again, which I will, I'm really, really looking forward to it. I mean, a lot of the games you said, I'm uh, Last of Us. I'm extremely excited about. Um, I'm excited to try out this Marvel, the Marvel Heroes MMO. Yes, uh, that's the Diablo style game. That's yeah. been an open beta a couple last couple of weekends. It should be coming out uh, for good uh, very very soon. Um, you know, and as to the question about uh, from personally, what I think about Marvel not being able to kind of step up into the the video game and TV side of things. I think it's really a, a just until now they haven't had that that multimedia company uh you know supporting them as War, uh, as DC has at Warner Brothers for so many years. I think now that they have Disney, I think you probably see those fortunes change a little bit, but they just need to do a better job and maybe Shield will start that and maybe as we see this new animated slate come uh, they'll be able to change that a little bit, but they need to do a better job. They need to have like their Jeff Johns, and I guess kind of Jeff Loeb is that for them right now. That kind of goes, I love these characters. I know everything about them. Let me be the shepherd of all this stuff to the video game world, to the movie world, to the you know, mm-hmm. to the TV world. So I'm interested to see that. Uh, Stephanie, what games are you excited about? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> obviously The Last of Us is like the top of my list, and it's so close to now that mm-hmm. it's just all that excitement is there. Um, ah, the next one I'm super excited for and keep in mind that I'm primarily an Xbox gamer like I I just prefer playing shooters and things on Xbox I like the trigger system and I will play things on PS3 but I will only buy PS3 exclusives Mm -hmm. do you know what I'm saying yes I know what you are Um, saying so this one is a PS3 exclusive I believe and it is Beyond Two Souls oh right yeah and this is with Ellen Page and Willem Dafoe Mm -hmm. there's another game yeah Sorry. Yes, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I totally get it. It's the like other game I is called get... Remember Me. Okay, go. Okay. Shh. 
Quiet, Steph's trying to talk. I know, I had that one too, by the way. Thanks. <laughs> Ass hat. <laughs> you love it. Anyways, this one isn't coming out until the fall, so it's October 8th. But um, it just looks freaking rad. The trailer is so cinematic. It's beautiful. And basically, I guess it's kind of like a psychological thriller. Um, and I, I don't really know exactly what the game is about. I'm kind of looking at the Wikipedia right now. Is that the trailer where she was escaping from the hospital and yeah. she had the hoodie on and she was all, you know, mysterious and dark? Yeah. She's got like yeah. powers, like telekinetic powers mm, right. or something. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then, um, but yeah, she's just trying to find out there's like an entity with her. Yeah, there's like a ghost or something with her, a, 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 some sort of spirit that's tied to her. I want to yeah, see the this trailer, movie. The trailer I, I saw it for it was like her in um, a police officer's uh, office. Yeah. And, you know, shit happens. <laughs> I don't know. It just looks really cool. I can't really explain much more of it because I've only seen that one trailer. And like looking at the synopsis now is the first time I've really looked at anything written about it because i just was hooked on the trailer mm-hmm. um the next thing i'm super super excited for um is kingdom hearts hd 1.5 remix <laughs> yeah. gotta love so, those kingdom hearts titles yeah i know no but this is like um this is actually the original kingdom hearts games being re-released for the ps3 yeah mm-hmm. in hd so, for the first time. yeah so it's gonna be out on september 10th and i love the shit out of the piece the, those games those are the- just Fun and silly and satisfyingly enjoyable. The uh, first, the first Kingdom Hearts is probably my favorite RPG. So there yeah, you go. it's so good. So I'm really excited that I'll be able to play it again. I used to have a backwards compatible uh, PS3, so I was able to play, you know, my PS2 games still. But no more. My last PS3 died on me, and with it, it's backwards compatibilities. Wah 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 wah. There you um, go. And the last game I think I'll mention, aside because I think Steve blurted out other things he can ramble about. <laughs> Anyways, um, is Assassin's Creed Four Black Flag? Right. Because assassins and pirates and <laughs> We know that you love those games, Stephanie. I am <laughs> um, <laughs> also I'm excited. I, saw, I forgot about this. Uh, Link to the Past Two. It's coming out for the 3DS. What? Yeah, so I'm excited about that. Um, I'm excited to see what Watch Dogs is all about. You know, that's coming out this year. We saw a, a pretty that does look cool. badass trailer for it at E3 last year. Um, and Steve, I'm surprised you did not say Dark Souls 2. I forgot. <laughs> Holy crap. Uh, I'm also quite interested in the next Grand Theft Auto. I know yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. The whole, yeah, yeah. It just, what happened was... I was a huge, huge, huge Grand Theft Auto fan, and then they released Grand Theft Auto 3. Grand Theft Auto 3 brought it, it stepped it up a notch, mm-hmm. and basically brought, brought it. the game, it did, it brought it, mm-hmm. and it it made the game great again. I'm hoping with the improvements and the, the graphics and the narrative and everything that I've seen, like the new trailer for the GTA was very impressive. Yeah, it was. That I'm hoping, hoping that this is the next step for the series, because obviously these are never going to end. Either that or they'll spin it off into another thing and they'll do something just like it. But I'm at least curious about each iteration of the series. Mm-hmm. It's always fun for at least a little while. I still have never beat beaten the last one. I'm on literally <laughs> on the last mission, and I can't get off the damn boat. 
with enough time, they blow me up every time I try to get onto the pier. And after like 67 times this happened to me, I threw my hands up in the air and I said, no. <laughs> so, yeah, my problem with those games is always I just I always feel a disconnect between the, the fidelity of the story and the amount of people you have to kill. You know, it's just yeah. it, when stories are that good and it happens kind of other game in other games too, like Uncharted, where the story is so good and you, you have such a connection to the character, then you end up like the, you're the biggest mass murderer in the history of the world. <laughs> It's just there's a disconnect because the story's so good. In most games, it doesn't matter because you're just kind of a, an avatar running through a world. But when you start to get connection to characters, it starts to become an issue for me. Um, so those are the video games we're excited about. Stephanie, give us a question. Give us a question that Bob can answer. I was so, going to say I was looking forward to Pong. <laughs> there was a remake of Pong not oh, too come long on. ago. There seriously was. <laughs> 3D Pong? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. All different kinds of tables. It was you're awesome. making Pretty that awesome. Up. Bird. I'm sorry, Bob. What? All right, here. What's my bird? Here's the question we can all answer. Uh, this is from this is John D on Twitter, and he wants to know: Are there any current comic villains you would like to see become heroes, albeit probably anti-heroes? Ooh, that's a good question. I know, right? Wow. I like it. Uh, Cyclops. I know. And all of us. <laughs> He right now he is an anti-hero right now. <laughs> if you want to see him become a full-fledged hero, that's a different story. But right now he is an anti-hero, a hmm. villain that becomes a hero. Yeah. Perhaps Who are we a- rooting for? Who do we love to hate? <laughs> I uh, I know. I mean, I, it's been done before, but I love seeing Doctor Doom mm-hmm. on the other side with feelings. With yeah. feels. Yes. Well, he's, he always has dignity, you know, mm-hmm. always has honor in his own sort of way. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, of who, like, who would be the most extreme. Scarecrow. That would be fantastic. Wouldn't even make any sense, though. <laughs> you need somebody who has, like, that, that least. Te- I was just. I was just appealing to Steve's sense of... Gotcha. He can make a psychedelic toxin that he just sprays across the world and everybody gets high and nobody cares about debt. It'll be awesome. Everything's just groovy, man. Yeah. Groovy. It's just groovy. I try to think of a hero that has... Dude, fire. It's okay. (laughs) It's happy fire. That has like that feet in both worlds thing Mm -hmm. or has like that... He's a bad guy, but only because he believes different things, not because he's really evil and wants to watch the world burn down, you know, in, in ways. Dr. Doom's a great one. I mean, that, that that's the first one that came to my mind. Uh, I think the ones that come to your mind are the ones that usually happen with, right? Like Magneto is one of those characters right. as well. Yeah, Punisher, certainly. Yeah, Punisher. Yeah, so they, they, they always kind of shift and, and change uh, like that. And since the heroes as soon have been... as we go away from this, too, I'll think of something. It's true, yeah. Yeah, this is one of those things where you kind of have to go through the, the roster, the rogues gallery of your mind. Yeah. It might take more than a than a well, like, thirty seconds to think of somebody yeah. good. <laughs> Let's see. I don't know. Like when I was reading Amazing Spider Man, um, what issue am I, was it? I think six ninety two where they're just it's the with the lizard. Yeah. And Mo- Morbius. Yeah. And uh, you know he hasn't. Morbius hasn't done anything wrong. Like he's legitly trying to like rehabilitate and. Shit just just happening for him, and you just kind of like, oh, wants to be a good guy. Yeah, and I don't know if that's what they deal with in the new series because I haven't read it yet. But mm. you know, feels. Yeah, he he's always a character like that too, right? He's a character mm-hmm. that kind of gets overwhelmed by his nature, 
even though he's trying to be a scientist or what have you. Actually, thinking Spider-Man, Craven. Craven is a good one. Yeah, yeah. Again, because he's just doing that his thing. You know, he's not really hasn't. It's not really malicious. It's just his code of honor Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. You know, he's very. I think he's similar to a similar but in a very different way to like Submariner. I think they're sort of similar in their ethos and everything. You know. Yeah, you can't even count Subby as a bad guy. Right, no, yeah, absolutely. I'd like to see Mystique as a good guy. Yeah. That's a good Ooh. one. Yeah. I think the ex- I mean, it's that, she has that same sort of mentality, I think, a lot of the time as Magneto does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think she could easily make that transition from bad guy to good guy. But, I mean, she's such a great bad guy. But, I mean, if Emma Frost can be a good guy, and she betrays everybody, like, every... Five issues. It's true. <laughs> so, I mean, why not Mystique? Yeah. I mean, the X-Men universe is rife for those things because it's such a co- more complicated, you know, moral... Yeah. There's a lot of moral gray areas there because it's, it's really... You know, They're it's all freedom, on the same side, but... But, uh, but just disagree on how to get that mission done, you know? So, it takes only one kind of personality trait to change for someone to cross over to, to either side. Um, and I mean, she's in all new X-Men right now, and she's not really on either side of the two main sides, but she's there and causing shit. She did. She caused some ruckus at the end of the last issue of all new X-Men. She is a shit disturber. She is a shit disturber. <laughs> would, uh, <laughs> this is really out of left field, but maybe Medusa from uh, like the Wonder Woman universe I'd like to see. Maybe just even for an arc to come mm-hmm. over to the other side, she's under some kind of a spell. But she gets to to do some heroic things, or possibly use like her stone gaze against enemies or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. My favorite like turn stories are when you know the the new threat is so bad that like the villain and the hero need to team up to take it mm-hmm. on because like, well, you're not worse than this thing, so we should at least take it on together, and then I'll worry about you later. Uh, my favorite one like that's FF one sixteen. Uh, there's a villain called the Overmind. It's one mm-hmm. of these outer space things, and takes over Reed's. Mind. Reed mm. goes bad. Sue turns to the only person who can help, Doctor Doom. Right. So the cover is the three of them and Doom charging at some villains. What? <laughs> you didn't know? I didn't, who knew that was coming? Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I always loved it when you know Thor and Loki would team up when the threat was mm-hmm. bigger, and he'd always betray him at the end. You know, because yeah. that's what Loki does. But now he is an anti-hero. You know, so. That would be kind of my wish, because he was always one of my favorite characters, so he's there now. Would you betray me? I will kill you. Yeah. <laughs> when do we start? <laughs> Steve wow. quoting the end of the Thor trailer, in case anyone... Yes. No. Sorry. I... It's all right. I think that was just a really rad question. Yes. Yeah, it was a great question. That was great. Yeah. I wish we'd come up with like some better answers, like so we weren't just, like twiddling our thumbs for the first 30 seconds, but still, that yeah. was... It's live yeah, radio. But... Yeah, it's live radio. So if we could think of anything, we'll always bring it up later. We'll edit it yeah. in and make ourselves look clever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My third well, everyone grade should tell teacher. Us there are people too. They should send in their answers. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because I want to hear what everyone else would think. Who else would make a good anti-hero? Absolutely, that'd be a great idea. Um, Chores. <laughs> so I have another question, and this ties back into what we were talking about earlier in terms of the Agents of Shield show. So this question is from Repstones. Um, and he wants to know, would you prefer the new Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. series to borrow heavily from the comics for plot or be completely new, or would you prefer a mix of things? Steve, why don't you start out? Uh, I'd like for it to tie into the movie universe mm-hmm. a lot more than I'd like for it to tie into the comics. 
That's for sure. I, you know, the comics, I think you can get a little bit more fantastic. I don't know how safe they're going to play the new shield show. Uh, I actually just watched the trailer during the break and I will say it looks awesome. Mm-hmm. So I think Bobby had said that it would be a great opportunity for them to introduce characters that could possibly come into the big screen Marvel universe in the future. Mm -hmm. I think it would be great if they worked in tandem with one another. I mean, everything that you saw of actual Avengers or heroes that are established was either like a blur Mm -hmm. or it was just very indistinct. We know what it is, but you know, a hammer or a shield Mm. or a blurry thing flying through the sky is not Iron Man, Thor, or Captain America. Right, yeah. So it it would be really cool if perhaps they did younger versions of heroes that they want to work with later that they get established in the show and then they show up in, like, Avengers 2 Mm -hmm. or, you know, Iron Man 6 or whatever. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Bob, what do you think? Um, I would love to see stuff from the comics, but only in the sense that I want. They need to have an adversary. Yeah. So we've put into the movies Hydra, which the original Nick Fury was always fighting against Baron Strucker and and Hydra and all that sort of jazz. So that could be fun. Mm-hmm. They are seeing heroes, but there's an, a shadowy organization doing what they do, but for evil. Right. Yeah. Uh, we have AIM now, mm-hmm. thanks to Iron Man Two. Yeah. We have the guys with the beekeeper hats. Yeah. Could be fun, and you. Have, you know, drift in some superheroes here and there. That'd yeah. Be, uh, but Nick Fury, got to see Nick Fury somewhere. Yeah, probably. I mean, I get it. And the voiceover at the beginning of the trailer, like the person kind of talking to the agent, you know, asking what S.H.I.E.L.D. means. It's a female voice. And it's most definitely uh, Colby Smulders, uh, who played Maria Hill. And they've mentioned that if the show got picked up, that she would appear uh, whenever she could, you know, with her schedule with How I Met Your Mother. So... I, I think you'll definitely see her. You'll see Sam Jackson, I think, a little bit. Robert Downey Jr. has talked about being willing to cameo every once in a while. Um, me, personally, I think the whole point of the show and creating a bunch of all-new characters is so they don't have to be a, a slave to a continuity where they can kind of do their own thing. And I like the idea of this new perspective. It's almost... I mean, obviously, they're not so street-level and they're not so ordinary Joe, but, you know, kind of like Marvel's where this all this crazy stuff is happening around them, and they're kind of they're worrying about the the small scale little stuff, you know, with the street level superheroes coming in and out. But I would like to see yeah. it more go off on its own and take elements in. Uh, but I think Whedon's overseeing the whole thing anyway, so I think it'll all be right. fidelis to the movie universe. And also, who's to say that they can't do like uh, tell like movies made for TV mm. stuff like that, like uh, Torchwood, how yeah. they had uh, children of. Earth. Earth? Yeah, I think it was called, yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. That was really awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then they had that ridiculousness that followed. Yeah, then it was. Oh, don't talk to me about that. Yeah, yeah. it was really bad. But. Mackay Pfeiffer. In the, in the spirit of the awesome Torchwood yeah. uh, Children of Earth, it would be great to see those characters uh, put into something like that. Mm-hmm. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. And I think they can do some cool stuff. Stephanie, what do you think? Um, I think it has to be a mix. I love the idea of it being completely fresh and original to kind of get new viewers in on it and just them being able to pick up, you know, without having any prior knowledge to comics or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that idea of our world being accessible to new people. But I also love the idea of mixing in little bits and pieces of the movies and the comics as well so that, you know, the 
fans are like, yeah, I know that person. Mm -hmm. And there's those little bits of reward. Like there's rewarding bits for people who, you know, have been with this universe for a long time. Yeah. Um, and you, okay, (laughs) let me start all over again. This also needs to bring things back to the comics too. I mean, these are all products of the comics and it would be a disservice to, you know, the source material if they didn't include little bits and pieces that will be like, wow, I want to learn more about that character. I'm going to go find out about that in this. Mm -hmm. We like with the movies, with Iron Man three, with Avengers, with any comic book movie, we want to bring these people into our world so that they keep being like our like comics is still a thing always. And we're having new readers and it just keeps evolving. And I, how long do you think until we see an agents of shield comic book that ties into the television show? Uh, I think, I don't think you see a full comic book, but I do think you see some of these characters. If the show is successful, starting to get absorbed into the Marvel universe, much like Coulson was absorbed Mm -hmm. in, uh, which I think is fine. It's not like Shield has this roster of people that you know so well. You know, like three people. You know, and then I think there's a lot of room to play in in the other avenues of it. I mean, I would love to see a, a Shield book, like just a a story about those characters in the comic world. So, but I agree with you. I, I and I think they will do that. I think I I think if the show's successful, they will use it as a way to be like. Okay, we signed. You're gonna see actors. Okay, we signed you to a six picture deal that also includes, you know, eighteen appearances on the television show mm-hmm. and blah blah whatever. I think you're gonna start seeing that if this show is successful. Uh, <clears throat> and it's unprecedented, like I said before, and I, I'm excited to see what ha- comes of that. I want to see someone's office have a framed picture of David Hasselhoff on the wall. It's Nick Fury. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. All right, <laughs> Stephanie. What, what do we got next? All right, so this is from uh, another Twitter listener or reader or follower, whatever. <laughs> uh, Robinson193Tom wants to know if there are any good Flash short stories or miniseries that he can pick up on the cheap. Um, I mean, I talked about a couple times. Flash Rebirth is a great one. Jeff Johns, uh, Andy Kubert uh, brought Barry Allen back into the, the DCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, has features all the Flash's uh Time travel stuff has a lot of Hal Jordan stuff. It, it's a beautiful book to look at, and it's it's a great story. And Bobby, uh, Brave and the Bold, yeah, yeah, which was Mark Wade, yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot of, again talking of Hal, yeah. Uh, you, if you want lots of flashes, go to the Flash of Two Worlds, mm-hmm. which has been reprinted. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times. And there was a there was a lovely hardcover, greatest Flash stories ever. Yeah, it's softcover. I actually own it. Okay, and that's that's a really good one too. It has ones from all different eras. Uh, it's small, it's cheap. Uh, y- you know, I don't know, I don't know how cheap it is, but uh, another Mark Wade Flash thing, Terminal Velocity, which is issues ninety five to a hundred mm-hmm. of Flash. It's a Wally West story. Uh, it also has Bart and Jay uh, and everybody but Barry, because Barry is dead at this point. But uh, it's a great, it's a great uh, five issue series that really covers. You know everything that's great about the Flash, and, and gets into the Flash family, including a lot some of the other more random members of it as well. So definitely check that out, and it's got a good emotional punch too with what happens with Wally yeah. at the end of it. Uh, so yeah, those are some Flash stories for you. All right, here's another question. So this is from Twitter follower RC Carol thirty one. Um, if you could reinvent or modernize a character in any way, like DC has Golden Age Flash and. Silver Age Flash, who would it be and how? 
right? Steve. Okay. I was thinking about this earlier because I saw this question on Twitter. I have a little bit of a different spin on it. I don't know that this is what Ryan had wanted, but I'm going to go with it anyway. I would so love... So fuck your question, Ryan. Yeah, fuck <laughs> your question, Ryan. <laughs> Silly question. I would like to see a Calvin and Hobbes tribute book. That's I, not at all what he was asking. No. Yeah. But yeah. I'm turning <laughs> it into this. No, no, you're talking about reboots. You're talking about doing stuff. I would like to see... Like, we've talked to... We've had a lot of guests on the show, and we've... You know, we know a lot of artists that have borrowed from Bill Watterson's uh, look and... A lot of people, uh, Yale Stewart mm-hmm. has, you know, a, a couple of shades of that in his, some of his work. And I've, there's other things that I'm forgetting. But wouldn't it be cool to have either an, an overarching story? There was a video going around, a fan-made video that I saw a couple of months back. Somebody made like a short film of like an older version of Calvin and Hobbes where the monsters under the bed actually stole Hobbes. One night while they were sleeping and Calvin has to go underneath the bed into that world and he becomes Spaceman Spiff and he becomes all of his different personalities into hoping to rescue mm-hmm. Hobbes. Quite cool. But there's so many creators that we've talked to that love and admire the series. Wouldn't it be neat to have them all get together for some kind of like anthology or some kind of a, of a collective book where they all get to tell little short stories or little strips and have guest artists that all do their renditions of Calvin and Hobbes. You could even have like a gallery in the back where there's just maybe 20-something pages of all these different artists doing Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, I thought that I thought that would be really cool. My other idea was to do an updated version of Mad Spy versus Spy and do a kind of like a ultraviolet uh violent reality version of that have one black spy one white spy with outrageous almost like luther strodian violence those are my weird suggestions okay both both cool ideas but not Not an answer to his question at all (laughs) (sighs) whatever Um, sorry ryan they should do miss fury properly (laughs) would be nice um honestly they, they're using the name right now at Marvel. I would love to see Miss America. Mm-hmm. You know, the old Madeline Joyce character who was, it was really well done. It was Otto Binder, who, one of the creators of Captain Marvel, all the way back. She got her powers from lightning and some mystical, you know, scientific thing. Marvel mm-hmm. was more about science than real mysticism. Right. And she was a great role model for young girls. Her comic ended up becoming a, a girl's real tabloid magazine mm-hmm. yeah, that ran for years and years and years so miss america that's a really good one stephanie what about you um i constantly talk about this i think in terms of like i want them back in the world so i would like to see cloak and dagger um and i think last week or the week before again the weeks have melted together <laughs> i spoke about reading some one shots of cloak and dagger mm-hmm. and in one of the one shots they discuss how um Tandy doesn't get accepted into the X-Men because she wasn't a product of like mutation. She's a product of an experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, her powers rather not her herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of sucks. Cause she, without somebody, without them being on a team, it's very unlikely that they will get their own book or be in the comic in really any way, shape or form um, outside of like one shots. And, you know, they 
freaking change the continuity for everything else. So just give them the goddamn mutant gene or something. <laughs> put them on a team. Damn it. I don't know. That wasn't really modernizing a character. I just thought <laughs> No, it could be if you made them into mutants instead yeah. of the result of, you know, junkies and pushers or whatever. It could work. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think in a lot of the ways, you know, it, it's tough now because this has been done with so many characters already and characters have been... Have stopped being their one identity, and someone's taken it over, and they've always kind of gone back. Especially Marvel's always gone back, like to the to the original incarnation, right? You know, because my my first instinct would be, you know, keep the characters universe, like you know, keep Tony in the universe, but let somebody else be Iron Man. But they've done that before, you know, but not so much like you know, Tony can't be Iron Man anymore, but just have him like kind of pass on the mantle. He's gone to something else. You know, I thought about the same thing, kind of Black Widow, like have her train someone else and something like that. You know, I I think. I, one of the things I really like about DC is I like that idea of the different identities. Like the, the people kind of go, like, I like the fact that there's a couple of green lanterns and that different people have been the flash. And so I, I like those ideas and they've compressed that a little bit now with the new 52, but you know, I'd like to see maybe, you know, uh, maybe someone else they're training to take over the mantle. I mean, they're kind of doing it with Nova. They seem to do it more with their characters that they're not really sure what to do with them. Mm-hmm. You know, they do it with Nova, they do it with Ant-Man, but I think somebody passing on the mantle to another person and kind of taking another, maybe another name, but keeping their their character identity, but not maybe their secret identity, I think would be cool to do. They've done a lot more than you. Yeah. Captain America himself has been a couple and a few other people within that. More than one person's been Iron Man, Ant-Man, Thor. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They've done a lot. But, Steve. No, finish your thought. No, no, that's fine. I I have one more. And hopefully... It's Charlie still, Brown. No. Um, one of the comics that I read as a kid growing up, one of my first favorite heroes, was actually uh, Sergio Argone's Gru, the Wanderer. Okay. Are you familiar with him? No, I'm not. Okay. It's, he's like a, like, a, like a barbarian. It's almost like a, it's a fantasy comedy. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be fun if you do some kind of lighthearted fantasy. Is a horrible example, but the movie... Um, <laughs> What was that? Uh, Your Highness. Mm-hmm. Not the stupid stoner aspects of it, <laughs> but that kind of silly, haphazard, not entirely well put together fantasy world and have him just wander around all of these different things that make fantasy what they are. Have him battling strange creatures and commenting on the mm-hmm. state of it today. I don't know. I think it could be fun. Yeah. I think it, it's a very specific look, though. Aragones and it was Mark Evanier. Yeah, uh, I don't know who would do that beyond them though. Uh, all read, all read for all the books. Okay. <laughs> all read for all the books. Fastbender for all the movies. Exactly. I'm trying yeah, here. I don't have. I don't no, read any great. golden no, age, Gru- silver age. Mm-hmm. I kind of. Well, no, I think it's more. No, it, it, just, it's even more in characters now that you'd like to update they, to more of a modern feeling no, to them. Uh, you Gru know, is a great idea. It was a great idea. Mm-hmm. Catwoman. Let's fix her. <laughs> Let's have Gail Simone write Catwoman. There you go. Well, that doesn't read. That's just a new writer. It's good enough. <laughs> uh, all right, Stephanie. Uh, what, what else we got? All right. So, um, from Shock 87, is there a single issue that inspires you to read comics? Uh, mine is Thor, God of Thunder. What is yours? And he says, thanks, Jason Aaron. I thought Jason Aaron was on the show. No, <laughs> and Jason Aaron is here. Uh, hey guys! Yeah, 
Verily. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's tough for me. I mean, there is not really one thing. I mean, the New 52 initiative, obviously, we've talked about this before, ha- got us into doing this show and it really got me into collecting comics for the first time, uh, you know, religiously. But there's no one thing that that I think turned me on the corner uh, to being completely into the into the hobby, I guess. I feel like this is like a Bob question because he can narrow down everything. I was so surprised. Showcase- what, what were you talking about? Fantastic Four, 116. I was like, That's so specific. <laughs> well, in this case, it's Showcase 37. Uh, it's the first appearance of the Metal Men. It's 1962. Uh Five robots made of different metal, stretching, flying, riding in a an open air flying saucer, fighting a giant flying manta ray with laser beams coming out of its eyes. And I'm, you know, five years old. Mm-hmm. How can you not want to read that and not want to keep reading comics after reading that? <laughs> that sounds I, about right. <laughs> I got one. I mean, it's it's of the newer stuff of when we started this, but I remember when we first started talking comics that we all. Bobby had we you know we all picked uh, books from the DC New Fifty Two yeah. that we wanted to start, mm-hmm. and I read my picks and mm-hmm. whatnot. But it was uh, Batwoman number one mm-hmm. that really really got me, that really really hooked me, and that was when I knew above and you know beyond the shadow of the doubt that I wanted to do this. Yeah. So I would say Batwoman number one. Yeah, I mean, I guess thinking it like that, I I think it's I think it was the week that both. Swamp Thing number three, I think it was the Animal Man number three came out the same week, and I kind of realized the the joy of comics is that every month I get to read a story by this writer that I love, you know, and there's really no other place you can do that, you know, books they come out very very there's very long lead times in between when they come out and. You know, TV shows are not really identified by one writer or one voice most of the time, but this is a singular voice, um, and, and like I get to read a Scott Snyder book that now multiple times a month, but that time it was these two guys who I, I'm loving, I get to read something by them every month, and I think that's what kind of hooked me into knowing that there was something I was going to be excited for going mm-hmm. forward. Stephanie, how about you? You asked the question, do you have an answer now that you're, we've come back around? think so i think i've talked about this before numerous times that originally as a kid i didn't really have like comic books i grew up with like archie digests Mm -hmm. um and there's a couple that really stick out to me from when i was a kid that i was like whoa that's like profound (laughs) because totally i I sounded like that when i was like six i believe it but i i don't know i just remember this one i especially loved like the backups the sabrina the teenage witch and the josie and the pussycat stuff Good Love choice. That shit. But like I That's a good choice. They were much better. They were so good. I do remember like this one Archie comic that like stuck in my head and it was so eerily realistic that even like as a kid I was like, "Whoa. Is that like stuff that could happen?" And it was like this comic where um the old jalopy like they could no longer drive it anymore cuz gas prices were going up to be so expensive <laughs> and so they couldn't get around and hang out anymore. And that's, like, kind of a reality. Mm-hmm. And when I was a kid, I was just like, what? What do you mean we won't be able to afford to drive cars? <laughs> and, like, I, I know that's not really what you're asking, but as a kid, that was something that I was like, wow, comics can reflect reality. <laughs> <laughs> Very Dickensian Archie comic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, when I was a kid, I read a lot of Archie 
books. You know, it was constant. I think my grandmother got them. You know, she got the digest all the time for me. I'd read them constantly. You know, um, so I mean, that was a big part of my youth. But I, I think the superhero stuff as a kid really came from the TV shows more than than the actual comics. You know, the the Spider-Man animated show, the the X-Men animated series, and of course, Batman the animated series were the things that really kept me in in that world more than the actual books themselves. Um. All right, cool. Stephanie, next question. All right. So, let's see here. Um, all right. So, Daniel Gall wants to know, what do you think about a small independent publisher like Aspen Comics doing a 10 for 10 initiative this year where they release 10 new series and every number one issue is only a dollar? I think that's wonderful. I mean, it's a great idea. It's, it's something that... Uh, uh, I think we talked about this multiple times, but something that I think more companies do. I mean, Image does it. They did it with Morning Glories, which was a new issue, which is kind of different for them. But they do it a lot with their with their Image Firsts, they call them, where they release these the number one issues of some of their series for a buck. Uh, <clears throat> Arcade did a 99 cent issue a, a, a couple weeks ago of this Cyborg uh, 009, which is going to be a, you know, their kind of, uh, they they only put out graphic novels. It's going to be a full graphic novel, but it was a preview for a dollar to kind of give you a taste. Did you read it? Uh, yeah, I read it, and I thought it was interesting. You know, um, it's not really my my taste so much. It's it's very anime inspired, very manga inspired, and that's not totally my, my vibe. But I think for people who like those things, I think it'll be a, a cool book to to check out. Uh, I think selling stuff for a dollar is brilliant. You know, I, I think it gets people in the door. It, it gets people reading your stuff. You know, the only question is when you charge them a dollar the first time and then the next week it's two ninety nine or three ninety nine. how much of your readership are you going to lose? Mm-hmm. Are these people going to want to keep reading it? That That's the question. I know Vertigo did this like a few years back and that's how I started reading like Sweet Tooth and iZombie and stuff mm-hmm. like that because they did the 99 cent issues and it was awesome because it was like this cheap way for me to try out a comic that I may or may not like and then decide whether or not I wanted to commit myself to it afterwards. And right. I think that's an awesome idea. Daniel also says uh, last month, because of this initiative, Aspen had the highest selling small, was the high, wait, what? <laughs> they were the highest selling small independent publisher because of the initiative. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. I think that's a great idea for I, I, any publisher. I mean, it's obviously a lot easier for big companies like Marvel and DC to do stuff like that. Um, but and yeah, they never do it. So that's right. that's the funny thing about it. Well, they well have... I mean, again, Vertigo is part of DC. Right, right. But I'm talking about the mainline imprints. But that's because at the same time, I mean, the superhero stuff, I don't think needs to have dollar issues. No. It's, it's already got a fan base and you're either going to read it or you're not, but they're still going to make money with or without doing dollar issues. And... It's definitely more of a marketing thing for independent stuff and smaller publishers, um, but I think it's something that they all need to start adopting into their strategies because it does work. Yeah, and really, no matter how many people they lose first to second issue, they wouldn't have had them anyway. It's true. It's absolutely true. I mean, Valiant did it as well. They they put out their number ones and they and they sold them for a dollar. Uh, and I bought a couple of them, and I wouldn't have bought them otherwise, most likely. So, yeah, no, it absolutely is a great idea. And, I mean, this is one of the things that Comixology does so well is that every week they have multiple sales of, of books from all different, from Marvel to DC to Image to Dark Horse, IEW, you know, to Monkey Brain to whatever the publisher. You know, they, they 
they have these sales, these 99 cent sales where you get not only not only single issues, but sometimes collections of, of, of titles for much, much cheaper, half off than what they would be normally. Uh, and, sorry, Stephanie, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to add in too that on Bob's point from you might lose <coughs> people from issue one to issue two, mm. but maybe your sales increase for the collected issues. Yeah. Um, Cause like sometimes with me, I'll pick up like a single issue that I see at a store and be like, wow, this is something I want to read, but I want to read this collected because I don't think it reads as well, you know, sure. issue to issue. Yeah. And, you know, because of that single issue that I bought for a dollar, I might be buying that and a bunch of others to give out to my friends because of it. So, I mean, you can't really judge it until I think at least the collected edition of something comes out, whether it works or not, because I don't know. Uh, no, awesome. absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah. And also, I mean, Image was doing this thing with, the, with that book, Cyber Force, I believe it's called. Yeah. Uh, Mark Silvestri. Uh, it, it's free. I think the first... The first five issues. Five, five issues were completely free. The first arc. And so they're, they put it out for free. And if you loved it, you know, that's a way to hook you. Because if you read a whole arc and you're crazy about it, they start coming out for pay. You're probably going to keep buying it. You know, um, well, well, you guys did a couple of digital ones that were pay what you want or pay what you think it's worth. Yeah, yeah, and including you know we had a, uh, one of our listeners, I think on Facebook, you wrote in you know, to give some love to the private eye, which is the um, Brian K. Vaughn, uh, Marcos Martin series uh, that we also talked about. Number one, uh, the number two is out now. You go to panelsyndicate dot com and you can decide whatever you want to pay for it. You you can pay for it. So it's a great idea, but but, but uh, you know, not everybody is Brian K. Vaughn. You sure. know, so you it's like the whole thing with Radiohead or with Louis C.K. or Aziz Ansari, these people who have audiences already built in, they can kind of go pay what you want because they know they have people who will pay more than they, they'd ask for it and it will even out with the people who would pay less. But I, I don't think a lot of creators can do that because they'll end up just giving a book away for free, sure. you know, that they worked pretty hard on. Mm-hmm. 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 All right, Stephanie, what do we got next? All right, so Allison Emblem wants to know about our views on Neil Gaiman's return to comics and possibly a few of his of our favorite works that he has done. Steve, go ahead. All right. Well, I believe I'm going to say my favorite Neil Gaiman book is probably the Graveyard book. Yes. I absolutely fell in love with the Graveyard Book. The Graveyard Book was supposed to be a film. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're still doing it. I think they're still working on it. Are yeah. they? Yeah. I hope so, because I would very much love to, mm-hmm. to see that as a, as a film. Uh, wonderful, wonderful book. I, I, I'm probably the wrong person to ask. I absolutely love Neil Gaiman. Um, there's very little by him that I've read that I haven't enjoyed. Neverwhere, I thought, was... Uh, magnificent i loved the idea of having the one thing that got me with that book was there's a train that you take it's it's like if uh like you let's say you're down in penn station or you're down in whatever train station you have and that late train comes in and only a couple of the cars are active that have their lights on that there are darkened cars those darkened cars in this book are actually functional and if you enter the darkened cars and ride them, they take you to an alternate universe, another reality. That was one of my first experiences with Neil Gaiman's writing. And that concept just opened my mind up to a whole mm. bunch of other things, other possibilities. I know people had probably done stuff like that before, but it was just the manner upon which he had delivered it that really spoke to me. 
Uh, I also loved American Gods. And Nancy Boys was great. A lot of his children's books are wonderful. Uh, I've read them to, to my nieces. They seem to enjoy them. But as far as where I'm at, I cannot wait for the new Sandman to start, especially with the art team that it's got behind it. I think it would be awesome to have uh, Neil back in the comic book world, having him do something a little bit more uh, permanent, or not permanent, but uh, consecutive issues coming Mm -hmm. out. He's on the book until it's done Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Well, there's only like six issues. That's enough for me. Hey, I still have never read the Sandman series. I've read the first volume and then... I never bothered to collect the others because I wanted to get the absolute versions or just get it all in one shot. And I just still have not made that big purchase. I know mm-hmm. for like 125 you can get the uh, trade paperback collection, yeah. which is something that I need to do. Maybe as like a Christmas present to myself, mm-hmm. I'll do it. So I'm very, very, I could not be more excited. That's actually one of my most anticipated, if not my most anticipated series before the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm excited as well. I mean, you mentioned a lot of the great stuff. Uh, I love both of the short story books uh, that he released. There's a couple gr- great, great things in there. There's um, this really twisted take on Snow White uh, that that's really awesome in one of the short story books, which I, it's either Smoke and Mirrors. Oh, those are great. Too. Yeah, uh, there's this great story about you know his his interpretation of hell. Which is, which is really kind of frightening and uh, shaking. The, the one with all the seasons sitting around the campfire. Oh, yeah. Also great. That one's which fantastic. also, yeah. Which that could be a graphic novel right there. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's, it's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about Sandman. You know, I'm kind of the same boat as Steve. I read the first volume and, and have not read more just for financial reasons. <laughs> and when I read it, I wasn't reading comics religiously. So it was something I, I brought the first trade. I was like, oh, I really love that. I should buy the second one and just kind of fell off of it. Uh, I'm also very excited about, you know, he's going to be writing some Guardian of the Galaxy and he's going to be helping out with the, the conclusion of Age of Ultron. So that stuff, I'm excited to see him too on kind of more mainline mm-hmm. superhero stuff. Yeah. Uh, Bob, what about you? Not read as much as I should because everything I have read, I've really, really enjoyed. And in one of those short story collections, is something called Shagat's Old Peculiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two Lovecraftian demons yeah. just sitting around complaining about their fate in the yeah. world. But mm-hmm. for me, it's, Car- it's Coraline. Yeah. Uh, which you know, I read it before they made that movie, and mm. the movie was so faithful. Yeah, you might really enjoy Bad Omens. That's a bad Terry, Omens or Good Omens? I think it's Bad Omens. One with no Good Omens. Good Omens. One with him and Terry Pratchett, right? Right. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, they they're together. You you probably love the Graveyard Book too. The Graveyard Book is 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 fantastic. Like Steve was saying. Yeah, and Stephanie, what about you? Um. So I think actually I'm gonna go like talk about Marvel sixteen oh two. Oh yeah, which is great. Oh, which I is awesome. That. Yeah. Um, I haven't read too many of Neil's comics. Um, I, I have all of Sandman, like you guys, but mm. I've only read like little bits and pieces of it. Um, but I, I am excited for it. But I mean, sixteen oh two is such a great what if story. Um, obviously, well, maybe not obviously. It takes Marvel's characters and it puts them in sixteen oh two and mm. what their lives would be like if they were living then yeah and it's really cool and it's just a breath of fresh air for the superhero world and like when you get burnt out like bobby was saying and during the book of the week segment it's nice to have things like that to read that just take a different take on the superheroes and kind of it's like oh this is why we love comics again Mm -hmm. 
And the characters and were all sp- very specifically accurate to yeah. who they were. It was yeah. really amazing how he did that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I love his books as well. But, I mean, Coraline to me and even Stardust are even better as movies. These are the two instances I can think of where I like the movies more than I like the books. And I mm. really, really, really like the books. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that says a lot to me. Like, Stardust is one of my favorite movies, like, ever. I love that movie. And Coraline, like, Coraline to me is fantastic. But towards the end, I feel like it builds you up for so much. And it's like, and, oh, it's over. (laughs) And I feel like the movie does a much better job of maintaining the, uh, like, a better tone throughout the whole film. As opposed to kind of just building you up and then being like, we're done. (laughs) So... So, so descriptive. <laughs> Anyways, um, yes, stuff. Awesome. So we're all very excited. So in yes. conclusion, yes, stuff. <laughs> so yeah. in conclusion, he's also for, written for one the of record. he's also uh, written uh, one of my favorite Doctor Who episodes. So. Oh yeah, with interest. Yeah, the Doctor's wife. Stuff. And he'll be writing another episode. Well, it's already, it already is out. This is the past week. It was oh, it aired. Well, that could be why, because I've been ignoring Doctor Who because it's been terrible this season. But whatever. <laughs> All right, she's such a troll. Go ahead, Stephanie. What's next? Troll. I'm just telling it like it is, just yeah. because you love Doctor Who. I haven't actually watched. I've only watched two episodes this season, so I'm not even. Shut up. <laughs> God. Troll me. <laughs> God. Are you done? <laughs> you done? Next question. Come on. Um, okay, let me see here. So Kenneth Zane wants to know, DC has their world's greatest detective, but does Marvel have one? Bob? Yeah. Well, they have their version of Batman, which was Nighthawk, mm. who was part of the Squadron Supreme. Uh, Kane Richmond, rich fella, lives in a mansion, super scientific power, deduction, so on and so forth. They have so many super scientists. Do you, could you classify Reed or Henry Pym as detectives in their own way? They do figure everything out. I guess so. Yeah, they're kind of, but they're 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 not street level. You know, they're they're not hit the bricks. You know, pick up clues. It's kind Daredevil? of Daredevil. Daredevil a little bit. You know, he has those aspects to him. He'll definitely do those things uh, because of his like you know his life as as the lawyer. But Moon Knight. Moon Knight would be, yeah. I mean, yeah, that would that would be. If they do a series like that, that'd be awesome. You yeah, know, that's uh, probably the closest. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Uh, Moon Knight's awesome. The answer could just be no. Well, I'm just thinking, Stephanie. I, I know, Jesus, they don't have one God, specifically Bobby. who month to month does Batman stuff. Right? No, no, they don't. That's absolutely true. Yes. So saucy. I know. She's now she's trolling me. Yeah. <laughs> Forget about Doctor Who. No, it's, Bobby's it's, been horrible this season. What will Week Four bring? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! Yeah, don't judge me. You sure you don't have to travel next week? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. What do you got for us next, Seventy? All right. So this is from Ricardo Guardo. I'm sorry. Ricardo Guardo. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> at least that she's gonna cop yeah. to it. Yeah. yeah. Those are. Those that are still interested in comic events, oh. which one of the big two sounds intriguing in terms of release and quality? Trinity War by DC or Infinity by Marvel? Who wants to go first? Uh, would you? Um, 
give me some background. What do we got going on? I I don't really. Well, Infinity have... Infinity is the Jonathan Hickman Jim Chung uh, series that's coming out with Thanos. We got the free comic book day. That one. Uh, <laughs> and Trinity War is the Jeff Johns Jeff Lemire uh, Justice League crossover. Oh, they both sound awesome. Uh, now. Title, but uh, the the main difference to me is that Infinity is a giant event that's going to be encasing all the Marvel universe, while Trinity War is just in the three Justice League books. Ah, so there's a difference there. It was initially kind of. Uh, pitched as a as a giant universe wide event, but they've scaled it down to the three books and kind of promised a bigger event coming later. That would be the first universe crossing over event. So there you go. But Bob, what do you think? Events, bleh. <laughs> uh, Infinity, mm-hmm. just because it's Hickman, right? And what about what about you, Stephanie? Um, events. <laughs> I'll say that. That's my answer. Okay. I think they both sound pretty cool. Pardon? I think they both sound pretty cool. I like the idea that the DC event is kind of confined to what? Two books or three books? Three books. Three books. So that's nice. At least it's not too confusing. You can only have to (laughs) collect a lot of three Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, the infinity that seems to be spread out. Well, yeah. But then just get the, the single straight event and you won't get confused. Do you know who you've been doing this podcast know, with for the saying. past two years? You but, know I've got a problem, man. I, I know, I know. But see, the problem with that is now, even with this Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. they can put that AU on books. But mm-hmm. if I'm collecting a run of something, I have to buy the 15 AU, even if there's a 15 coming. So I have a book I can't read and understand what's happening. But that's your fault. <laughs> And thankfully, that's, know, a, that's they, a compulsion. They, Doesn't matter. They, they know that's what's going to happen. So but you're going to waste your money. You don't have to buy that book. No, though. I don't. Which is why I'm happy about the DC thing. It's not going to poison yeah. books I'm really reading the way that Hell on Earth thing did. Heal on Earth, however yeah. we pronounce <laughs> it, that ruined Supergirl, which I was enjoying mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. I was just going to say the AU issues, in my estimation, have been really good. The ones I've read have been entertaining. I haven't I haven't read all of them, but uh, I'm more excited. I am more excited about the Trinity War thing only because of the fact that it's only in those three books. Yeah. I, and you know, if it's anything around the quality of Throne of Atlantis, which was between Aquaman and Justice League, then I'll be very very happy because I that think that awesome. brought you know that brought Justice League up and it hasn't come down since then. Um, and that was if, so epic. Yeah, that that story. And if it's Lemire and John's doing the event, then I trust both those guys. Yeah, when, that, when you opened up, when you turned that page and that huge spread of the huge like tidal wave, that flood coming into yeah. the city, yeah, that oh my god, it was so awesome. It was, it was very awesome. And now they've taken that boost and they've and they brought it down to a much more, you know, character centric take on Justice League, and I think that's been great. So if they can do the similar things with that event, I'm very excited about it. Uh. All right, Stephanie, let's do two more questions. Um, okay, so H. Paz wants to know, which comic series do you think is flawed or didn't, or you didn't like and would you like to reboot? What would you change about it? So what series published right now would you like yeah. to reboot, reboot? And how, yeah. I guess. And how. I, know, I think I know what Bob is going to say, so I'm going to let him go first. I can see it on his face. Already. Wonder Woman. I knew he was going to say that. Because it should be done properly and on model. <laughs> Restore the Amazons to what they're supposed to be. Uh, no more stooping sailors and killing people and all the rest of it. Uh, uh, restore her origins so it, it's from the love of her mother who can't have a child and not some 
godly rape scene or whatever it was. <laughs> fix, fix Wonder Woman. And it's a short answer. All right. Steve, you got one for us? Yeah, it's obvious for me, too. Fix Catwoman. I... <laughs> I love Catwoman. I've been bitching about this for nearly two years. Just write her the way she's written. Uh, Jeff Johns could do it, like or Gail Simone could do it. Just get somebody that knows how to make her alluring, make her sexy, but make her smart, and don't don't turn her into a slut. Sleeping with every person that she comes across, and get her back to her roots, and have her book be fun. That's what I would do. Her book has been, I don't know. I stuck up for it when it first came out because it had one thing going for it that I really enjoyed. And then once that was removed, it the whole thing fell apart for me. And I was very sad to let that character go. Uh, I only get glimpses of her being something great. And then it's taken away from me. And it's been going on for way too long. They need to get a better creative team on that character and that title. Has it been any better lately? I have not been reading it for that reason. I just, mm-hmm. I tried. And granted, I only gave it one issue, which is not fair. I did like uh, the the Batman tie-in, the one for the, the Damien mm-hmm. thing. That issue was okay, but it was only okay when they were dealing with the Damien stuff. As soon as, because it was one of those split issues where the writer, instead of focusing on the one thing which it was supposed to be, decided to keep pushing the other, um, what was going on in the arc in general along as well. So you had, like, it's 20, what, 23 pages an issue? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. You had, like, you know, 11 pages of it being somewhat decent and, and a joy to read. And then the whole latter half of the book was just bogged down by confusing new characters that were uninteresting, and I, it's just a it's just a mess. Mm. It's, should, a, it's a poopy litter box. Uh, this past <laughs> issue of uh, Just League of America had some really good moments with her. Yeah, she. I like her in that book. There was a then the backup with the the Matt Kent backup of Martian Manhunter. He kind of enters her mind, and you get a really cool uh, portrait of her there um i mean for me it would be probably there's two books i would i would look at i would i would teen titans um in the in the new 52 you know whatever my feelings about scott lubdell i i don't hate him i just think he's kind of a i find his work to be mediocre i think that now in the in a dc universe that's sort of starting to find its footing as far as interconnectedness i think the, the team would be you get a better uh, results having a team of heroes from all these different books. So, and I think they'd probably have a better sense and a better direction of where they wanted to go with it and how to connect it. And, you know, it's fine if you want Tim Drake to always be Red Robin and be the head of the Teen Titans. I don't care about that. But I think now in the direction they have now, it would probably turn out to be a better book. Another thing too is, uh, you know, in Marvel side of things, I, I think you need uh, Thunderbolts would be the thing that I would scrap and reboot because I just don't think it works with a team of such well-known and such mm-hmm. high-profile characters. You know, we have a new team taking over, and they might do a great job with these characters, but I would rather see the more ragtag group of people rather than a group of people could probably all have their own book if, if they wanted yeah. to, you know? So, Some of them do. Most of them yeah. do, yeah. So that's what I would, that's my, my uh, two. Do you have any, uh, Stephanie? Um, I think you guys kind of covered everything I was ranty about this past little while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. I don't so, know. All right. So, our last question, Stephanie. Make it a all good right. one. All right. 
Let's see. What do we have here? We only have a few left. So, okay. Repstone wants to know, why do you think there's such a paucity of decent comedy comics? Not talking about Mad Magazine or Viz, but a proper ongoing series. And he also said, not Deadpool. That's why he said, don't mention Deadpool. Paucity. Yeah. I like that. He's just big words. Um, I think he was really looking to you, Bob, as as the hope to come up oh, with some oh, comedy I'm, books. I'm, I'm the comedy the guru. Yeah, yeah, the well, there were some, mm-hmm. I, and there's still I still have It Girl. Yeah, which is really really cute. Uh, we had Love and Capes, and that's just now they have the fourth trade on that. Co- flat out comedy. Uh, what about from the smaller press that you guys? You know, the ones that I think are very funny, uh, I mean, I think uh, Nate Cosby, the guy who writes Cowboy, is a very funny writer. And that's, again, that's not an ongoing, that's a single graphic novel. He also did that Buddy Cops uh, one shot, which I thought was very, very funny and, and specifically meant to make you laugh. I know, God, I'm not going to remember what it's called, but Matt Fraction, who's on the show, talked about, you know, that he's doing like a romantic comedy, sex comedy uh, book oh, for is Image. Is that Satellite, Sam? Is that, no, I don't think so. Cause that, that's the Howie Chaykin one. That's Howard Chaykin one. Okay. Uh, which I'm gonna have to look it up. It might just be called sex comedy or something, but um, oh yes, yeah, it is. It's, it's something sex, like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, sex criminals. Sex, sex criminals. criminals. That's what it is. Uh, and that's supposed to be very much a comedy book, you know, uh, almost like a sitcom in comic book form. And he even says in that interview that he, it's not something that doesn't really exist, and he wanted to kind of get in there and, and do it. You know, so it's tough. You know, I, I find it. Comedy in those books is tough, right? Because it, you, you, they're not in control of your timing. They're not in control of when you're seeing things and when you choose to read things. So jokes can be ruined very easily by a wandering eye to the bottom of the page. And you can't time every single joke to come at the turn mm-hmm. of a page. It just, I don't think it would work that way. So I think mm-hmm. it's tough. I can't think of anything. Or the big reveal of like the character busting through the wall on the second page that you see immediately. And yeah. You have to read through the left-hand side just to get to the, yeah, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's some of that in FF. There is, but well, again, that's kind of incidental comedy, not incidental, well, but you know, it's not, a, it's not a comedy book. It's a superhero book that happens to have comedy in it. Right. When we had Michael read on, mm-hmm. I certainly championed him doing a She-Hulk book, which would be nice to bring back some, right. Some of what she was. Before. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, I think there's plenty of books out there that employ comedy to help their storytelling. You know, you know, we talked about Fearless Defenders that has a good amount of comedy. Young Avengers has a lot of comedy in it. Journey into Mystery does too. Journey to Mystery does. You know, I talked about All Star Western a couple weeks ago that that has it in there. You know, and that stuff like that. But I I think that's more you're more talking about like action comedy tone rather than a book that's I you would call a comedy book. Last Action Hero, the comic. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Many web comics are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Doing this. Yeah, Hark of Agron. Yes, there you go. Exactly. JLA. Funny. Mm-hmm. Is that still going on? What? Steph Hark. Yeah. Uh, Hark. She was actually she was at TCAF, but I didn't get to see her, and I was really sad. But this other girl, Lisa Hannawalt, was totally there, and basically she does this. The only thing I know lots of her other stuff, but the one thing that sticks out for me is this review of hers that she does of War Horse, you know, the Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I've never seen the movie and I never have to because this is all the movie and, and or I know it's a play too, but this is all the movie I ever need to see. She like illustrates it and it's kind of like War Horse. This is what I picture with War Horse. And, you know, there's like her drawing War Horse with like 
machine gun strapped to its side <laughs> and like oh and they're talking about how they sell the horse at like 100 guineas and then she kind of just thinks out her process and she's like how much is 100 guineas and then all the guys just holding guinea pigs it's basically like the funniest thing I think I've ever seen but I met her on the weekend and I got her book because it had the war horse review in it and I was like well I need to own this (laughs) (laughs) and it's so funny it's so funny that's a story right there shut up (laughs) we need some like theme music for Stephanie yeah <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it was a better story in my head. She <laughs> drew me a cat. <laughs> there you go. Hilarious. Also a horse, but also a horse, a horse cat. <laughs> a well, no, cat she drew me a horse and a cat. A cat with machine guns hanging off its side. <laughs> yes, I like it. I like <laughs> it. <laughs> um. All right, so I guess that's it for listener questions. Uh, thank you guys so much uh, for writing in. Uh, we couldn't get to all your questions, but don't worry. They go into the archive, and they, we will definitely get to all of them uh, before, I guess, we don't have an end date. So before the show is over, we will get to all of your questions. Uh, we'll keep doing it until we get them all. Yeah. Uh, info at TalkingComicBooks.com, uh, at TalkingComics on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics and TalkingComicBooks.com is the website. Uh, so let's talk about what's on the shelves right now. Uh, from Action Lab Entertainment, we have Double Jumpers, number four. We uh, From Archaea <laughs> Entertainment, we have Strange Attractors, uh, hardcover. Strange. It's uh, written by uh, Charles Soule, who writes Swamp Thing uh, oh. right now. He's the oh. new Swamp Thing writer. Uh, from Archie Comics, we have Archie and Friends Double Digest, number 27. Um, we have Super Sonic Super Digest, number 3, and Sonic Universe, number 52. <laughs> uh, from Aspen Comics, we have Soulfire, volume 4, number 5. Uh, from Avatar Press, we have Night of the Living Dead Aftermath, number 8. Um, from hmm. Boom Studios, we've got Fanboys vs. Zombies, number 14. Uh, and regular show number one with a wow. ton of different covers. Oh, absolutely! Because it's a Boom Studios book, so it has a lot of covers, like ten covers. Um, there are only like six characters on the show. I don't know what they're gonna do, but <clears throat> it's like Adventure Time. They have a billion covers. Yes. Uh, Dark Horse. We have BPRD Hell on Earth number one oh seven, which is Wasteland Part One of Three. Uh, Conan the Barbarian, number 16. Dream Thief, number one of five. Edgar Allan Poe's The Fall of the House of Usher, number one. Hmm. We've got um, To Hell You Ride, number four. They're still doing that one? Yeah, it's been a long time. Is To Hell You Ride? Yeah, it is, right? Yeah. Yeah, Didn't the the first issue come out right after the con? Yeah, it came out a while ago, so it's obviously taking a while to come out. Um, Star Wars Darth Vader and the Ninth Assassin, number two of five. Uh, (laughs) From DC Comics, we have got Batgirl, number 20. (gasps) New artist. Batwoman, number 20. Birds of Prey, number 20. Catwoman, number 20. Fables, number 129. Green Lantern, the animated series, number 13. He-Man, the Masters of the Universe, number 2. Uh, JSA, The Liberty Files, The Whistling Skull, number six of six. I can't whistle or I would. Justice League of America's Vibe, number four. 
Legion of Superheroes, number 20. Aww. Nightwing, number 20. Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 20. Supergirl, number 20. Sword of Sorcery, number 8, which is the final issue. And Wonder Woman, number 20. Bleh. From Dynamite Entertainment, <laughs> we've got Battlestar Galactica, number 1. Uh, old Battlestar or new I Battlestar? I believe it's based on the old Battlestar. It's a Dan Abnett, oh, okay. uh, Andy Lanning uh, book. Which I'll check out definitely because love that property and I like those creators. Uh, Bionic Man versus the Bionic Woman, number five. We've got Deja Thoris and the Green Men of Mars, number three of eight. Garth Ennis's Jennifer Blood, number 27. Uh, we've got Green Hornet, number 36, which is not the Mark Wade Green Hornet. Uh, we've got Kevin Smith's The Bionic Man, number 20. Lord of the Jungle, number 15. Mark Wade's The Green Hornet, number two. There you go. Um, we've got Pathfinder number seven. We've got Peter Cannon Thunderbolt number nine. Shadow number thirteen and Voltron number twelve. From they have an issue where you sh- Shadow plays chess. <laughs> People will see what I'm talking about. Yeah, against Batman. Yeah. Uh, IDW. We've got Doomsday point one number one, which yes. is John Byrne. Uh, we've got uh, GI Joe, a real American hero, number one ninety. GI Joe Special Missions number three. Um, we've got My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, number seven. Yeah. Clippity clop. Um, uh, we have got, uh, Transformers Regeneration 1, number 91. Oh, you beat me to that. Well, I know, but I, we don't, it's not part of our game, so I couldn't, I'm not going to make you, it would be unfair if I asked <laughs> you that one. All night. <laughs> yeah. From Image Comics, we have Dream Merchant, number one of six. Jesus. We've got Fatal, number 14. Yeah. Um, we've got I Love Trouble number five. These are there's replacement copies of I Love Trouble and Morning Glories because apparently there were um, misprints yeah. in, in in the books. So you can bring your copies back and get the new copies. It Girl in the Atomics number ten. Legend of Uther Strode number five. Yeah. Non Humans number four of four. Um, we've got Think Tank number seven and Vessel number eight. From Marvel Comics we have Age of Ultron number eight. Yeah. Avengers, The Enemy Within, number one. Start Woo. of the crossover with Captain Marvel. Yes. Yeah. Cable and X-Force, number eight. We've got FF, number seven. Yay. Gambit, number 12. Iron Man, yeah. number 10. Um, we've got Nova, number four. Yes. Thunderbolts, number nine. Yeah. Ultimate <laughs> Comics, Spider-Man, number 23. Yay. Wolverine, the X-Men, number 29. Wolverine, Max, number seven. And X-Factor, number 256. Woof, woof. End of Hell on Earth. Uh, yes. With two L's. From Oni Press, we have Helheim number three, and we have Scott Pilgrim volume three, Scott Pilgrim and the Infinite Sadness, the color edition, which is the third in those. Um, from uh, Valiant, we have Bloodshot number 11, Exo Man of War number 13. From Zenoscope, we have Grim Fairy Tales presents Madness of Wonderland number four, and Grim Fairy Tales presents Vampires the Eternal number and that is it for what's on the shelves right now uh, thank you guys so much for writing in once again info at tonkombooks.com uh, at tonkombooks on twitter uh, facebook.com slash tonkombooks and tonkombooks.com is the website my personal twitter is at bobby shortle steve mine is at dead underscore anchors bob bob ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com stephanie i'm hello cookie on twitter All right, and so that is it for Talking Comics. So for Steve, see you later. Bob, we're out of here. And Stephanie. Hello. I have been Bobby. (laughs) Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued.